0: You're listening to A Rock Candy Podcast.
1: Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. And when you do join us in the pit... (laughs) those crowds it'll be mad bro talking fact. talking about that crowd madness bro mm,
2: that that ace troubleshooter sophomore release i mean is fifth it fifth release fourth, or whatever fourth, fourth release, release? <laughs> who knows
1: yeah what do you what do you call the release we talk the full release <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
3: that,
1: what is, you call it. that is that is your first is album is
2: your initial release and your second <laughs> album is your full release <laughs>
1: Ah, Yes, but the full release only happens when you get signed uh, to a label, then this is okay. (laughs) Zero people understand this because nobody had that. So their their first record, Ace Troubleshooters first record, they had a song called Full Release, uh, which we talked about on our Patreon. Mm. Um, But so that's the joke that we were making. Ejaculation. Okay, so um, <laughs> we are going to be t- talking about Madness of the cr- Crowds later uh, in this episode. We're going to be talking with our boy, Will, from Common yes. Creatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about his Troubleshooter with him, talk about the Christian punk scene that he grew up in, the bands that he played in, a uh, whole bunch of great stuff, and a little bit of a, an Easter egg. An mm-hmm. Ace Troubleshooter related Easter egg on one of his projects. Yes. But um, first, John, I feel like there's <laughs> there's something we need to do before we get to the fun stuff. I feel like mm-hmm. there's there's something we should probably discuss up yeah. top, yeah. Uh, at at the start of this, and that is, um. You know, so last week when we when we discussed the Ace Troubleshooter self title record, you know, we we did our usual, you know, the box. We kind of deconstructed and, and looked at some of the songs, talked about some some issues, uh, talked with Dr. Jen Manigo about uh, toxic masculinity and misogyny and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we also want to make it clear that, you know, and we we've tried to be very clear about this whenever we have these conversations is that even john said on the episode like recognizing that a lot of these takes are that bands have are in amber for all of time right and we have to recognize that like while they exist in amber and they in in a time we have to anticipate the the possibility and and the hope for change of some of these more problematic ideas. And, but we also don't want to uh, not ever point the finger at ourselves. Like we try and do that. We try and strike that balance where we we're not trying to ever listen to a band and just dump on them constantly. That's not our goal. We try and have the balance of like, like, Hey, this is, these were some problematic views I had. These were some, this is how maybe something informed me or whatever. But the goal is to never like, we're not trying to uh, be intentionally uh, like, we're not trying to cancel anybody. We're we're just trying to have meaningful conversations about records that meant something to us and how we're interpreting them now. And while some people might be like, I mean, yeah, it's a 20-plus year old record. Of course, we're right. going to find some of that. We just, we still feel like the conversation is worth having. Yeah. Uh, you know, we but we also just want to make sure that people understand what we're trying to accomplish.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's worth rearticulating from time to time uh, that we're we're always trying to strike a balance of the stuff that we appreciated from the scene that we grew up in and also taking task, taking to task the elements of it that uh, were hurtful for us and other people. And so we're always trying to balance those things. We're never trying to, hurt anybody on a personal level we hope we're trying to strike that balance well and like you said we're trying to call ourselves out alongside it for being part of it uh which along those lines we may be uh hearing something <laughs> from your youth uh, frozen and amber for us to discuss uh, oh man some well, this we,
1: podcast. <laughs> we, yeah well we have we have talked a little bit we did get we did get some tidbits of of information from from our dude John Warren, as we had communicated with him this week, about mm-hmm. some additional uh, realizations about some of these songs that maybe we should just throw in this in a cr- quick correction corner. So sure. we talked about Southeast 101, mm-hmm. uh, which you were talking about. Like we, I think we'd both like thought that this was like a driving song. This is like yeah. getting on, getting on the 101 and like getting out of a town and into onto bigger and better things. Or like maybe that, that's sort of like every band has their on the road song, but he told us in reality, Southeast number one Oh one was his old shitty apartment (laughs) that that he lived in with, with the sort of nod to the existence of the one Oh one. So there's this sort of like dual meaning to it. Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, I love, I love that stuff. That's, yeah. you know, and I'm like all these years, all these years. I yeah.
2: I think it might've been a case of two, like when, you know, somebody's from your town, you like go out of your way to look for references to it. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, obviously he's talking about driving Southeast on highway one Oh one. Um, right. No, he, maybe the Applebee's he's talking about is the one that I go to. I don't know. He doesn't <laughs> talk about Applebee's. I was trying to think of something else, but yeah, I was probably. Making some assumptions and you know what to say about that.
1: Yes. But, but anyway, um, I uh, <laughs> I had mentioned to John Warren the uh, song that we have played <laughs> numerous times on the at least twice maybe once uh-huh. or twice yeah. on the pod and the song that I wrote uh, when I was in high school, "Flesh Marks" parentheses on my heart <laughs> and uh-huh. so it's it sounds like hot garbage and I just want to play this again. Uh, you know, you know how we talked about like how people like bands that have too long intros to songs. I had mm. I had a lot of those, <laughs> and a lot of the songs that I wrote just like yeah. just get to the point. Mm. Oh man, that recording quality, bro! <laughs> all
2: right, all right. So the vocals are going to come in now, right? Oh wait are they there
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait for that chorus though.
1: little flesh marks on my
2: heart you know you disparaged uh ravioli the hit ace troubleshooter song but i see right here a song called i like macaroni and cheese (laughs) yeah uh, pasta adjacent
1: yeah i did not i (laughs) i'm not gonna play i like macaroni and cheese
2: what about girl of my dreams which also sounds like an ace troubleshooter song
1: uh this is okay.
2: Sorry, you choose. You choose. I don't want to <laughs> well, force it on you.
1: there's. I have some. I have some other. Let me see. Uh, I have this. I have the album that I, uh, titled "You Are Running a Good Race," um, which we'll has Bazan over here. Has my um has my hit song "It's Christmas Time," which I do believe we played. I think we played this too. Yeah, we played that on a. But I I don't have any of these uh, tracks titled, and these are uh really really tough because they the recording quality is better because i recorded some of these in my high school um band room where like Mm -hmm. i had a friend who was in band and i convinced her to like let the person like just do like a direct recording (laughs) to cd of me just like playing some songs Uh and it's tough so i'm not sure which one this is
2: okay writer sound
1: oh no I think I know what this one
4: is (laughs) you are the most precious flower in the garden that God has grown planted you in the soil with his hands you
1: were sown Uh, we are not playing any more of that one you are my,
2: um, in parentheses, precious flower. Yeah. Oh, the my God.
1: And 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 oh, my God. Some of these are so bad. <laughs> oh, man.
2: Sounds kind of cool. Huh? Dear hurtfulness, <laughs> Ooh. why am I always the bad guy? The problems lifted on me, it hurt me. I thought you were my friends. <laughs> Thanks for the sorrow. See you at school. Sincerely, yeah true oh
1: man let's uh, see hell. it's emo as fuck bro uh, <laughs> so and, good and so these good. aren't even i'm not even like touching on like the super christian songs on here but like you know those were those were like maybe when i was 15 years old right, right. so uh which is why i sounded like i just like took a hit of helium <laughs> <laughs> yeah. before i sang them
2: Oh my god. Yeah, so I think this might be season 3 or season 4. <laughs> what season are we uh, Season 4 is all Andrew's Andrew's party.
1: Oh my god, no, please don't. <laughs> um
2: There we go. Oh, I have heard this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like that little
1: So there we go. When will I meet the girls? The when will I meet the girl of my dreams? The girls I see now are less than what they seem. Mm -mm. Bad, bad look for your boy.
2: Yeah, problematic, Andrew. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and then of course we've talked about I'm petty and we're all heartbreakers. I mean, that's a good Uh, song
2: title. (laughs) (laughs) It's a legit good song
1: title.
2: (laughs) At least an Uh, emo song title.
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to throw myself under the bus there for a second. That hell yeah. uh, You know. I can't really. I can't be the one uh, casting all the stones here about um, tough looks for, for fair um, enough early and early song early songwriting.
2: You know, Andrew, it was enjoyable to hear some of your recordings, but mm. there's a more recent recording you've made that I think the world deserves to hear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, so. Uh, shout out to again to our Discord. Yeah, uh, if you're not if you're not a Patreon punk, uh you're missing out on some fun stuff on the Discord. So uh we were t- talking about I don't remember how exactly it came up. We were talking about my dad being on the pod, and then we were joking about my like my brother Brian and I starting a podcast <laughs> where we introduced my dad song by song to Blake 182 or something uh, like that.
2: And because I said it would be called. Feeling this. I'm feeling this. It's a perfect as, opportunity.
1: As in our my, my last name, feeling. Yes. And so uh, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go write that theme song.
2: Well, <laughs> we had some folks weighing in on, on lyrics for the potential theme song, and you took that and ran with it. So, Yes, I did.
1: Um, so it's only like maybe a minute long I found a version of a karaoke version of feeling this I'm feeling this from the uh, blink 182 self-titled record and I did my very best <laughs> my very best Tom DeLonge so here is feeling this
4: doing a podcast now We're having ourselves a beer We're gonna discuss some things We open the pit right here Show me a pink or red Show me the way you chew Fucking orange tastes like shit Yellow tastes like shit too I, I went long this time Starbursts fade from their wrappers. Five more Sour
1: patch, if you wanna. Where do we go from here?
2: <laughs> oh man, truly a thing of beauty. <laughs> well done, sir.
1: Uh, it's it's things like that that just uh, unparalleled silliness that yes. make me. Oh man, that's that, so good. That level of that I can just be creative about something that's really
2: dumb that's yeah. <laughs> so wonderful. So look for uh, I'm feeling this on the Rock Candy Podcast Network <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're we're
1: only we're only going to play my dad the songs that <laughs> that are oh, the most inappropriate blink-182 songs. Perfect. So only only family reunion and mm-hmm. um uh what's what's the what's the it's Christmas Eve and I've only wrapped two fucking oh, yeah, presents. yeah, yeah.
2: Forgot about that one. Uh, happy holidays, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Happy. <laughs> Unless your mom will trick me off.
2: Oh boy. Uh,
1: yes. What Talk would Anselm me.
2: think about this, etc.? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Oh
1: god. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Shout out anyway. to uh,
2: Zach on the on the Patreon or on the Discord <laughs> for for getting some of those lyrics going. Yes, shout yes. out to you for your mad genius. Uh, and shout out to the <laughs> Phelan family who will be weighing in on Blink's discography soon. Yeah. Uh, on my side of things, I've tried hard to find uh, the song that we ripped off of Ace Troubleshooter in my band, and I, I'm having a tough time finding it. Um, <laughs> but if I do, we will we will play that as well.
1: Yeah, um, I will say that I got nominally better over the course. <laughs> yes, you of... <laughs> did.
2: You played some of your actually great songs. I mean, I, I've done my best to, yeah, man. You know,
1: uh, but like Justice Core, baby. Yeah, Justice Core, bro. That um, you know, uh, strength to love. Based on that, that MLK, the MLK uh, writings and moment of weakness, Mm. you know, which is a me, just going after George W.
2: Yeah, Um, we've all grown. We've
1: all grown, and we gotta, we gotta allow, we gotta allow for growth, and just, well, you know, we just want to have more caveats when, when we discuss some more. you know, when we open up the box again, you know, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah, you gotta allow
1: sure. allow for the potential for people to, you know, shift as as they do. Like, yeah. like if somebody like heard some of my stuff when I was fifteen and they're like, "Oh man, this guy sucks," I'm like, "Well, I mean, that was like twenty two years ago, so right. like, back <laughs> <Yeah>. off, bro." <laughs>
2: Taste of our own medicine. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. open up the box on ourselves uh, <laughs> at some point in the season.
1: Yeah, we we should. Um, but speaking of opening up things, John, uh, <laughs> um,
2: great transition.
1: Nailed it. So we, we are known for talking. We're talking about bursting it. We like to burst uh, it. We like to burst it. We got to burst it up top. I'm uh, <laughs> talking starburst, bro, but yeah. not talking just any starbursts. Hmm. We're talking starburst gummies, Sours? What? Yes, I was at I was at my area, uh, <laughs> Saint Paul Walgreens, mm. uh, and saw gummies sours, and I picked those up immediately. In you did addition, a double take. In addition to a pack of Starburst
2: duos, mm. I don't have those.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I just wanted to, because I've seen the duos a bunch. I'm like, because this is sort of a one of those things that. Uh, I remember April had talked about a I long time say, ago yes. about combining the strawberry and the the, the the pink and the yellow. You get right. sort of this like strawberry lemonade sort of thing. And in Backtail. this one, they have it's blue raspberry lemonade. So it's Hell a yeah. blue color and a yellow color, and then strawberry watermelon.
2: Ooh. So it's pretty good. Should we open up these gummies?
1: I think we definitely need to open these up. Um, those
3: gummies.
1: So we got strawberry, we got blue raspberry, we got Lincoln watermelon, red. and cherry.
2: Yeah, in addition to our, you know, you're a pink boy. Pink is represented, I'm a red rider, red is represented. But then we got that, we got green and we got blue. Blue raspberry and watermelon.
1: No orange, no yellow.
2: Orange, why would there be those? Wow,
1: that is a, that is a that is potent on the nose. You know, it, you know what it smells like? What's that? It smells like, oh my gosh. This is taking me this is like a sense memory. Do you remember back in the day opening up a packet of Kool-Aid powder? Yes,
2: yes. That is, that is exactly what it smells like. Exactly what yeah, it smells right. like. It's summertime.
1: Yeah, man. All right, what do we what do we want to do first?
2: I want to Well, let's try let's try pink and red just so we have a point of comparison. All right. Uh Where are you at, strawberry? Bank, here we go. Very good. Pretty good, bro.
3: Mm-hmm. It
2: doesn't taste, well, I guess the aftertaste is kind of like the strawberry proper. After strawberry. aftertaste, yeah. yeah. The initially aftertaste not so is,
1: not initially, does not taste like strawberry. Try it,
2: Hit that red cherry.
1: More initially like the cherry.
2: Yeah. Hmm. I feel like strawberry beats cherry, in the gummy Mm. world. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm changing course. Interesting. Too late now. Um,
1: All right. Want to do that blue raspberry?
2: Yeah, I do. Ooh. Oh, that's real good. Ooh, I like that one best so far. Mm. You said that one is in the duos.
1: Yeah, it's a. It's a blue raspberry lemonade.
2: Ooh, digging that blue raspberry. All right, watermelon. Yeah, there's definitely, it's red heavy in my bag. Lots of pinks and reds.
1: Yeah, I'm not even seeing any uh, watermelon in here. Where are my watermelons at, bro?
2: These aren't favorites. Cool it, guys. Ooh, watermelon's real good. I hope you find one. Mm. That's my favorite. Well, I got to get these duos so I can taste the Mm. watermelon and blue raspberry regular ones. Ooh, that watermelon is really good. It's like the Jolly Rancher.
1: It does taste like Jolly Rancher. All right.
2: Well, these are delightful. If you enter code MAGPOD at (laughs) Starburst.com.
1: Nothing will happen.
2: Nothing will happen someday. Um, Yeah. Get those gummy sours. They're doing the trick for me. We've had a little debate on our Discord about Scandinavian swimmer sours, which is Trader Joe's uh, Swedish fish uh, sour line. Some folks saying they're better than Sour Patch Kids, including my wife. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but
1: that sounds like fake news.
2: Yeah, I'll be curious to hear what you think. These watermelons are doing it for me. Not a lot of watermelons in there. Well,
1: I'm enjoying these. This um, this Blue Raspberry Lemonade one,
2: though. Ooh, the duos? hmm mm-hmm. Maybe I'll combine Blue Raspberry and Watermelon of the gummies. Mm. And this will really blow people's minds. <laughs> well, you know, all this yeah. bursting is getting me thirsty. Yeah. Bursting for a thirsting.
1: You got something brand spanking new over there, bro. Not but everybody could even get these.
2: It's true. This is only in test markets. Um, I got that Topo Chico hard seltzer, and what I had reported to you before was they're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but the mango one is the best of the bunch. I'm gonna try the strawberry guava now, which I think I've tasted before, but not had a whole can of. But I'm gonna give it a shot. Strawberry guava hard seltzer with uh, sour starburst gummies. I'm gonna have a cavity by the end of this. Remember when your uh, <laughs> tooth fell out? <laughs> your filling fell out.
3: <laughs>
1: I didn't. I didn't lose a tooth. I, mean, I had. I had a sour patch kid pull out a filling. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when
5: all your teeth fell out?
2: I wouldn't be surprised, given how much candy we've had in this. Hey, well, uh, you
1: know what? I just went to the dentist today.
2: No cavities. No
1: cavities. Clean bill of health.
2: Hell yeah, bro! Rocking it.
1: Got a floss, bro?
2: I yeah. I I don't have trouble flossing. I have trouble doing other things that are good for my health but for some reason. <laughs> Flossing is not one of strawberry guava tapachico. Not my favorite thing ever.
1: No, you know that uh, that old bit by that old bit by Mitch Hedberg where he said, "People people say you don't know how hard it, is it it is to quit smoking." It's like yeah, I do. It's like just about as hard as it is for me to start flossing. <laughs> Mitch, you seem nervous. Yeah, I'm about to floss.
2: <laughs> exactly oh man what a legend you know,
1: yeah it's uh um, flossing I like, i don't know about you bro but like i have like my teeth are like really tightly spaced together so yeah like
2: sometimes it's tough sometimes it's tough um, I need the waxed, the wax boys to, get, to really get in there. Otherwise yeah, they break off in my teeth.
1: Yeah. The, no, that happened to me once I, my floss broke in my teeth and I needed to literally go to the dentist It sucks to have like the actual doctor, the dentist, not like a hygienist, the hygienist right. couldn't get it out. <laughs> I had to have the actual dentist. She had to do you special tools to remove the floss that was stuck in they, they like, tell Ooh. you
2: flossing is good. Yeah, right. It's all lies.
1: It's all lies. So they it's can all, get you back all, in their chair. It's all pushed by Big
2: Floss. Big yes, yeah, say Big Dentistry but Big Floss <laughs> is better.
1: <laughs> big Floss. Like big I just want to see I just want to see like I don't know, like what do they talk about in the floss boardroom? It's like it's like, "All oh, right, uh All right, Johnson, what do you got for us over
2: here?" It's like it's like, "What's what's new in the what's new I in the forget the, fl- the- the mob runs uh, <laughs> most floss companies, right?
1: Yeah, it's like yeah, they're they're the floss company, they're in they're in Hello they're in cahoots front. with uh, with Starburst <laughs> to get more people to yeah, exactly. and, and Sour Patch kids to like pull out fillings. It's it's all they're it's all like, a big
2: scam. We're getting stuck in people's teeth, but are we getting stuck enough? <laughs> like it's my like, new it's, floss will really get in there.
1: It's like Philip Morris essentially, mm. they're the ones that put out those truth ads. Right about about how bad
2: smoking is thank you for flossing oh i don't know um should we listen to some voicemails
1: <laughs> let's listen to some voicemails
2: um it's good stuff though i'm gonna keep eating knees into the mic <laughs>
1: perfect uh we got our boy patreon punk and the rudy librarian hmm. brian Cambra.
0: hey this is brian Cambra, and i was kind of thinking about one of the voicemails that you responded to in the last podcast. So this is a voicemail sort of in reflection on another voicemail, but uh, it was talking about some, sort of some of the way that we're processing the lyrics of these bands who definitely existed during the sort of evangelical heyday, right? And I, it got me thinking a lot about how much grace we're extending to the members of these bands as well. Now, I understand we're we're reacting to the art of that time and how it makes us feel like today, right? But at the same time, I I think about that like I know that I think at one point there was a story about the insiders and how maybe Joe Yerke, the lead singer, was uh, giving a, a sort of turn or burn message from the stage at Cornerstone or something like that. And uh, I guess I started thinking about this after listening to the Pickle and Boot podcast and reflecting on some of my experiences with the insiders and just thinking about myself, too, as a Christian back in that day and some of the kind of awful ways that I expressed Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of that was like it was, it was taught, not caught, or maybe some of it was caught, you know, but like it was things that I saw this is the way that I should be interacting as a Christian if I want to make sure that these people know Christ. I, want to, I don't want to risk any, anybody not knowing Christ and, you know, dying and burning in hell for eternity. Now, my views on hell might be a little bit different than that now, obviously, right? And definitely my views on how to express Christ to others are different. And so I just wonder about that. You know, I wonder about the supertones. There's a lot of supertone songs that really were deeply meaningful to me and, and helped me to feel – Uh, God's Love More. And certainly there were some songs that had that, you know, uh, I'm I'm scum of the earth kind of thing. And I also thought about how many times we criticize one theology in favor of another when really the truth might be a mix of those theologies, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I had a professor at the Bible college that I went to that uh, when I asked them, you know, is it predestination or is it uh, free will, you know, he was you know, is 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 Calvinism or Arminianism and all that kind of stuff? He said, you know, what if I could prove to you that God doesn't know everything? And I said, well, good luck doing that, buddy. And he said, okay, well, when you repent of your sins, God remembers them no more, right? That's what the scriptures say. And I said, yes. And he said, well, then God doesn't know everything. And I was like, mind blown, right? (laughs) Uh, And he did that a couple other times. But really the, the goal there was to, I think, show that theology is a little bit more complex than how we often try to paint it. And, uh, and so I I just have been thinking about that a lot. I love you guys. I love what you do on the pod. I love how,
1: um, he got cut off, but then he has a, uh, a 26 second follow-up there.
0: This is Brian Canberra again. Dang. I thought I was doing good (laughs) time-wise. I was just going to say, I love you guys. I love how you guys are processing through your own theology and, uh, through all of that stuff that we listened to back then. And, Uh, certainly my theology has shifted a lot and i'm deconstructing and reconstructing you know as i speak but uh just got me thinking about those things keep doing what you're doing keep processing for all that stuff magpod for life
2: thanks buddy
1: thank you appreciate that that was kind of like speaks to a little bit yeah of what we were saying at the top of the show um yeah it's it's um It's a a tough place to be because, you know, kind of using Brian's, you know, little point there about God not knowing everything and forgetting our sins or whatever, and it makes me, it's like kind of to our point, like who, how long do we wait to like, are we I'm not necessarily saying that we need to or don't need to let anybody off the hook for uh, a problematic take from a, a long time ago. I think what ultimately what we're trying to do is use these albums in this as a, a vehicle for the larger conversation. Yeah. And sometimes it might come across <laughs> as like you know, well, why are you using old source material <laughs> that right. like this these people might not hold to these positions anymore but it's like well they might not but other people do and it still can be problematic and and hurtful to people and as we've discussed on our discord that there are any number of theological issues that many of us in our late 30s are still working through and you know, especially around uh, around sexuality in the body. And yep. that's a conversation that's not going anywhere.
2: Yep. Yeah. I I mean, <clears throat> thank you for this voice mail, Brian. Very thoughtful. Yes, um,
1: always a thoughtful dude.
2: For sure. And I think we're in a little bit, you know, we, we talked about it up top because we've been talking about it, you and I and some other folks this week that like we're in a little bit of a different position this season. When we started the pod, the idea was kind of like talk about this band we love, but also talk about unpacking some of the uh, experiences we had of the time in the scene that first MXPX and then 5-iron were part of. But as far as like really taking them to task for their theology on display, that was sort of few and far between with those bands. Right. And this season is tougher. It's bands I don't know as well, and it's bands... um, you know some of their stuff really well not all of it and generally more deeper into the like evangelical world and uh theology than the earlier bands we'd covered so just kind of as a naturally different vibe and i'd say personally i'm still kind of finding my footing you know like i Mm -hmm. this is our podcast as you say at the top of every show i think it's totally fair that what we filter is through our voices and our opinions we're not saying this is the correct definitive take on things but this is how we feel this is how we've experienced these things how they've shaped us. And I welcome dialogue and discourse and I want folks to weigh in. And the main point is sort of like, what did we get from this community that we were part of positively and negatively? And if you put something out there into the world, even if it was 25 years ago and you were young, people still absorbed that and people can still absorb it. And I think it's worth discussing that and not just like uh, pretending it doesn't exist. And if you haven't had any sort of public you know, record that's readily available of sort of your thinking since then um, it's maybe trickier to, to dissect that, you know, with MXPX and Fiverr and we were tracking their releases as they went along and their progression and their maturity. And for a lot of these bands, they haven't done anything in 20 years. So that's all we have to go off. So I still think what we're trying to do is fair and we're trying to do a fair job with it. But I also think it's fair to say, don't be an asshole about this. And I'm trying (laughs) to not do that. And I'm trying to let myself in. So it's something I'm going to think about how I approach things as well.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's trying to not be an asshole is always, is always a good, a good, a good starting point. Um, I don't think, I don't think you're ever an asshole, John. I mean, I, I don't know about myself, but you know, um,
2: trying not to put out an asshole uh, mentality into the world through this. <laughs> no,
1: no. But you, you know, this is something else that sometimes I filter my own experiences yeah. into the interpretations of things. Cause like, I don't know how else to do that. Yeah. And I might be projecting at times, yeah. you know, and that's, that is what it is. And sometimes my frustration and anger comes from a place of trauma and pain. Yeah. And that's also legitimate and I think a lot of people who go through a deconstruction or an exit from the church carry a lot of that and they don't know how to Right. how to unpack it. And so the com- little community that we've created of Patreon punks and other people in the larger Magpod community are people that are asking a lot of these similar questions and we want to mm-hmm. journey with them and sometimes on journeys you stumble
2: and, and what if I, what
1: stumble? if I stumble,
4: what if I,
2: fall? what if I fall, what
1: if I lose my step and
2: I make, <laughs> I'm glad we both did that. Of course we did. Um, gotta get Kevin Max on the pod. Sometimes you gotta learn the hard way, you know? Um, <laughs> you know we're
1: we're just two honks on and a podcast
2: (laughs) uh if we ever get to dc talk that's our intro we're We're just two honks
1: with a podcast Uh,
2: oh that's great discussing
1: Uh, the lord
2: dc talk season four confirmed (laughs) um uh but yeah i mean is it maybe more fair to listen to people who are putting out stuff today with these takes and responding maybe but we don't want to listen to any of that stuff (laughs) we want to listen to the stuff that we liked when we were growing up and that's the whole point of the pod so yeah anyway um I, i really appreciate you weighing in and i welcome other folks to weigh in along those lines as well yes
1: uh speaking of patreon punks boy caleb
6: hey guys this is caleb knox from the beautiful pacific northwest and i just had a had to say i'm so excited for the pod and for season three because for so long Five Iron Frenzy and Goaty Hook were my two favorite bands of all time, so I'm excited for, for the Goaty Hook episodes. Um, yes. But I had a quick Dogwood thing and a, a quick Ace thing. Uh, first of all, I discovered Dogwood. They're truly ska-punk to me because I discovered them on a TV show called G-Rock that played on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And their, I remember. their catchphrase was G-Rock because nobody rocks harder than God. <laughs> uh, they've got a bunch of uh, fun slash cringy clips on, on the YouTube that you can check out. Um, but they would take these Christian ska punk songs and they would actually put skate videos behind them. Um, a lot of stuff from Screaming Giant Records and Tooth and Nail, um, Dogwoods, Flick Shoes, uh, Five Iron, Supertones, et cetera. Um, wow. secondly, Ace Troubleshooter. I learned guitar in middle school and I took lessons from this guy named Vic, named Vic down at Vic's Guitar Cave. And he probably wanted to teach me finger picking and how to just be a great overall guitarist, but I kept bringing in songs that for him to transcribe and teach me. And so I had Vic teach me how to play tonight by yes. Ace Troubleshooter. And then when I got into high school, uh, I was in a band with just one friend who played the drums. We were called the Plural Mounds and we covered <laughs> tonight by Ace Troubleshooter. And we also covered my bike by Goaty Hook. Amazing, uh, no yeah. recordings for you folks to play on the pod, unfortunately, um, but we had a good time and uh, playing those covers. Uh, they, they were easy enough on guitar that I could handle it with my, Rudimentary skills, uh, both on guitar and on vocals. Um, so, thanks for what you're doing. Uh, love the show. Shout out to the Discord. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Magpod for life. <laughs> thanks,
3: thanks, Caleb.
2: rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh um,
1: man. So, man.
2: <laughs> there's I, a lot I, to back there.
1: There's a lot. There's a lot there. But like, uh, I think we need to ask Magpod Nation for those people who did learn guitar. Mm. What were some of your first songs that you learned mm. on guitar? Like when you first started picking up the guitar or an instrument or whatever instrument you could play, maybe you were, uh, maybe you played the sax and you wanted to play careless whisper. I don't know, but like, what was, <laughs> well, for you, what were you getting down with? Yeah. Um, was it, was it tonight by Ace Troubleshooter? Was it like, was it Johnny Potts? where you, were you, picking up slopping the bass play a little little chick magnet chick no. magnet was
2: one of the first yeah man isn't
1: that isn't that if you're a christian kid in the 90s with in a band like you had to have learned how to play uh chick magnet i think every, like i did and i didn't even play the bass
2: 100 chick magnet and a flowery song. Doo do 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 do. Those are those are two early ones.
1: Yeah, that's because that's a sick bass line. Hell yeah, it is. Was that a um, was that was that a Dennis? No, that wasn't Den. No, there was something I remember Scott saying that like there
2: was a, a certain yeah, Dennis wrote some of those early bass lines. Yeah,
1: there's some some of the bass lines that that Dennis wrote. Um but uh, I remember trying to learn how to play friendly advice by hangnail and trying okay. to learn to learn guitar by learning hangnail songs, uh, can be a little, a little challenging because they're a little bit shreddier than some of the st- stuff. That yeah. You listen yeah.
2: To. Um, yes. Curious to hear about that. Also shout out to G rock. I 100% taped, uh, videos off of that. That's how I learned about sidewalk slam, for example, who we may get to later the season. Uh, it's true that nobody rocks harder than God and, <laughs> Um, boy, just him saying the words "screaming giant" brought back this whole flood of memories. We're talking Officer Negative. We're talking Rod Laver. We're talking Tasty Snacks. Um, Tasty
1: Snacks. Yeah,
2: man. These are some of the more not forgotten, but, you know, a little, little deeper cut yeah. jams. But uh, I'd love to get to some of those bands at some point.
1: Oh man, Tasty anyway. Snacks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. <laughs>
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: he he spaces them out just well enough that I kind of forget about it and then when I hear it again it's just a pure joy. I'm so um, happy. The Phantom Cackler. Uh,
1: the Phantom Cackler. Yeah, we it's it, it, it's been a while since uh it's since we've had a, a cackler call.
2: So it's also nice to know that he's still he's still out there sticking around. <laughs> perfect that was more of a (laughs) phantom giggle i don't know
1: yeah a phantom a phantom chortle if you will
2: (laughs) i will uh
1: (laughs) Uh, last one we got our boy dustin from st louis
5: hey guys it's dustin from st louis it's been a bit since i called in but i just finished
2: Mm, he it's been a while <laughs> yeah
5: he he had it right there it's been a bit It's brand. it's the S, the eighth episode and i just i had to call it in um i did want to mention that i i did thoroughly enjoy the uh, theology corner um you know it was such a good message and um i something i really wish that i had heard way back in the day um in high school because it feels like you know potentially could have felt less scarred or frustrated with everything that had happened back then i do i do wonder sometimes if i would have been very good at at catching those things in high school um you know i had recently watched the bazan doc and um they they had a little part where he was drunk at cornerstone um and and telling all the kids there to you know challenge your faith or you know ask questions don't just take everything for face value and I I never went to Cornerstone in high school and and I was not a Pedro fan in high school, oddly enough. Um, But, uh, you know, I I know that if I had seen him at that time, I I, I would have just fallen completely on deaf ears for me. I would have just thought this guy's full of it. And I mean, potentially I might've not even really listened to him afterwards, which is even more disturbing. That's just kind of how heavy I was in on that. So, you know, I don't know if that if that would have really uh, how how I would have reacted in high school. I was just so into all that church st- message of that we're all just terrible people. I guess I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, as for the the Ace review, um, I get really nervous whenever you guys review albums that I, I have loved and some some <laughs> of what I still listen to. And this one, I, I still listen to every now and again. It's just got some great tunes on it, and so Correct. Uh, specifically the song, the song tonight. That's um, just one of my. So my wife and I, when we were in high school, we were dating back in high school. That was one of the one of our songs. We used to listen to that one all the time. That's awesome. But um, I do I do appreciate what you guys do for uh, diving into the lyrics because I, I'm just a victim of uh, I just get sucked in with with uh you know great guitar lines when it's going fast and we got a catchy hook I- i'm listening like i just don't <laughs> get into the lyrics so um i, I appreciate the the uh, dive into that and uh really bummer to 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 really think about yoko and don't trust that girl that- that's just <laughs> such a bummer man especially with with the rest of the album feeling a little bit more positive so um, anyways, really looking forward to the the reviews of the albums following because I didn't really get the get into those ones very much. I bought those albums, but surely didn't listen to them very much because they just didn't really land with me nearly as much as self-titled.
2: So uh, thanks, Dustin. Thanks, Dustin. I Appreciate that.
1: Him. Yeah, John. Do we have? A reputation now as like ma- for making people nervous for just <laughs> oh, shit. What are they gonna say about my favorite <laughs> album now? Oh, God damn it! Here they come! Here they come! Yeah. They're gonna talk about the madness of the
2: crowds. <laughs> They're gonna shit all over it. Here's what I will say. Um, I feel well, I, that way too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and... this,
1: this Ace album, we were like largely just praising it the yeah. whole time, and like two two bummer songs out of the record that are just like that feel out of place with the tone, like
2: two bummer songs that the singer songwriter behind them uh, agrees with us, by (laughs) the way, about maybe being bummers in retrospect. Um, It's an album that I love deeply and revisiting it. I still love it deeply. Do those couple songs bug me? Yeah. But like this album kicks ass and guess what? This album that we're going to talk about today, (laughs) I don't want to, blow any takes here but pretty, good album. pretty also, good album it's also a
1: very good album
2: yeah um and i want to say one more thing which is that to his point about what he would have heard at the time and and maybe felt uh challenged by or or yeah. resonate with or whatever something that we said last week and that we've kind of been saying throughout i hope is that it's not like these bands fronted by young men uh hated women and therefore wanted to write songs about hating women they were a reflection of the scene that we were a part of so it's like bands were parodying back the misogyny that was prevalent in evangelical culture and so i just want to mention that that like it's not like and i'm not giving them a pass not giving us a pass for for participating in it but like you know, it's not like they were an anomaly within the scene. They were consistent with the rest of the scene and you wouldn't write songs about abortion or toxic masculinity, unless you were hearing in your youth groups and your youth conferences and your churches, that kind of messaging too. So anyway.
1: Right. Exactly. And, you know, we're, we are going to talk about value pack at some point Hmm. and
2: open up the box again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's, they have a song called mind games, which is, Essentially about girls messing with with your head. Yep. And uh does that song rule? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's it's like, how do you it's I mean it's the same way with we talked about like don't trust that girl, like we hear like uh Pretty but good song. we just we get to the end of that because this this part rules yeah, yeah,
2: problematic with this bridge though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, so like, can we, can we like have like a, a both and kind of situation here? Yeah. Like, can this song be both problematic and kind of rule at times? Hey man, that's yeah, man,
2: it's very Lutheran of you. We are all both saints and sinners.
1: <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> um, well thank you for, uh, those voicemails. Yes. We appreciate it. Um, John, now that we're all sugared up, do you think we should get into a conversation with our boy, uh, Will, from Common Creatives?
2: I do. I do. I think it's time for that. All right, let's do that. Well, Andrew, today on the show, we have a very special guest. Will from Common Creatives is in the house, Uh, a show that is on our Rock Candy Network. Uh, If folks have not listened to Common Creatives, please go check it out. We have both... Guested uh, and talked about uh, Weird Al and scary stories to tell in the dark, respectively. Uh, respectively, which is very uh, up both of our alleys. And uh, yeah, Will has been a, uh, a listener for a while. We've had back and forth for a while, and we know he has uh, a special place in his heart for Ace Troubleshooter. Oh, so yeah. he wanted to get on this episode, and we wanted to talk through it. So Will, welcome to Magnified Pod.
7: Hey, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. It is
2: <laughs> all the errands, for Will. <laughs> Will oh, comes man. prepared with a yeah. uh, strong background in music, playing in bands, and sure. in having a PhD in which he wrote his dissertation on comic books.
7: Yeah, um, that's relevant somehow, I'm sure. <laughs> it's right cool to, to something. So something.
2: Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so anyway, he comes with a bunch of, uh, of pop culture knowledge across the board, and, and we're excited to talk about Ace with him today, but also his experience uh, in music and in the scene. Um, so you kind of know our deal around here yeah but for the purposes of this discussion I think the most important question is when did you first hear of Ace Troubleshooter
7: that's a great question and I knew it was coming and so I tried (laughs) (laughs) and so I tried to think back I don't know that I can remember exactly when the first time that I heard Ace Troubleshooter was they were just sort of you know I was into Christian music I like went to youth group a little bit but more than that I was just kind of into Christian music like Christian rock and um so I know that like I saw them one year at a music festival that we have in Kentucky called Ichthus, Um, had, I don't think they have it, but you know, um, that we have here. And by the time I saw them live there, I was already into them. So I guess I found a CD somewhere. It would have been the self-titled was the first one I listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess I found it at a Christian bookstore in my town or something, you know? Um, So this
2: would have been around 2000
7: ish? Probably. Yeah. Something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for it's sure. Seems like
2: that's when they were sort of at their peak, at least in terms of like yeah. my awareness of them.
7: Yeah, um, yeah. And you obviously
2: see, they'd go out to they'd go on to tour with Reliant K and Five Iron yes. and everything. But yeah, what were you yeah. gonna say?
7: Oh no, nothing. I was just gonna say you said that's kind of sort of sorry. There's a flying here. You said it's sort of uh, like kind of where they peaked, and that was one of the things that I thought about when I was thinking about Ace. Um, in just t- in terms of points to make about Ace, is I feel like they peaked real early. You know yeah. what I mean? Not not in terms of musical quality. I'm not saying right. like the music like got awareness. Worse. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in, in terms of popularity, it seems like they they always. I always felt like they peaked sooner than I thought they would. You know what I mean? Right. Um,
1: the strength, the strength of that self-titled record. Yeah. I feel like should have propelled them mm-hmm. further yeah. than it did. Sure. Um, especially when you know John and I were talking about some of their sonic, uh. Compares some of the sonic comparisons, like where we we talked about how having them on a tour with someone like Jimmy Eat World yeah. wouldn't have been like out of the realm of you know reasonable.
7: No, um, absolutely and, not.
1: And they were Jimmy World had an album out right around that time. Mm-hmm. You know,
7: and, was that Bleed American? Was that yeah the, Bleed American? Yeah. was because mm-hmm. it blew up. You know, yeah,
1: right. Um, and yeah, it's it just seems like. I don't know if that do you do you feel like bands like in the Christian scene didn't have the same potential to have that kind of crossover because of the Christian the overt Christian part of it or yeah do I mean because you think about some of the Christian bands that had some pretty significant success like POD was a pretty significant
7: right crossover crossover.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, you know. I can't like who who else in the scene like um MXPX had a little bit of a blip of a little success, bit yeah yeah um with yeah. before everything and after but like do you think that hampered.
7: I mean, Do I would think? guess that it, I would guess that it would. I mean, like their their thing, and you guys were talking about this on the last episode, which was like, um, and i had forgotten about this, but the self titled was released. It wasn't just a straight tooth and nail release, right? It was like a was it a B C? It was B
1: C. Yeah, yeah.
7: Um, which is a little strange in retrospect, right? Like yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't know all the politics of how that worked, but like um, it doesn't feel it feels like a tooth and nail record, you know? It does. Right. Um, and so I, I I wonder about the Christian thing. I mean, like. Um, because I feel like before Ace broke, like in the 90s, you you sort of, my impression is that you had this sort of very distinct, you know, market um, for like Christian stuff where it's just mm-hmm. selling to youth group kids and whatever. And then it sort of blended with like the, your PODs and, and maybe a little bit. Of, and I remember seeing MXPX on at least like MTV2 or something like that. Yes. Um, so like, I, I I wonder if that's the case, but, uh, but I don't know. They're not like super explicitly, I mean, they're explicitly Christian, but it's not like in a way that it. I would imagine it would bar- bother somebody who didn't listen to Christian music, but I'm not sure. Right? Um, yeah. I but mean, it's always it's first, always a...
1: First Corinthians 13. Well, true. Yeah.
7: yeah. yeah. Okay. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Um, that's a good point. But they're not even as
2: explicit as, a, say, a POD or whatever. In yeah. Terms it's True. Of their...
1: Or even like a dogwood. Yeah. You know, they're right. Like, yeah.
7: It's, it's mm-hmm.
1: there's not a lot of there's not a lot of there's not like a JPM level here. You know, there's not a Jesus yeah, right. per minute <laughs> measurement. Forgot about uh, that. That that's good stuff even That's than so funny. On some other contemporaries of theirs on like bc yeah. and like someone like other <clears throat> big bands like dc talk who yeah were like that was i don't i don't i think they're like there's probably a a differentiation between like bands that like you know the conversation that every christian band loves having is yeah are they a christian <laughs> band or band with christians in it and like what a meaningful
7: and important distinction yeah
1: right so well it's it's i think it probably the the distinction they probably make is like those yeah. who see their band as yeah. some sort of ministry and those sure. who are just like we're christians right. and sometimes that influences our music but it's not the
7: yeah. point yeah. I remember actually it's funny that you you say that. That brings up a memory for me where like it was this was after I was done being in the band with Joe, but I was doing my own stuff and I was touring this was with Nine Ball. Yeah, Nine Ball. They changed their name a couple times, but yeah, it was after I was done with Nine Ball, but it was a tour that I was doing with Nine Ball where I was like opening and they were in the middle and then this other band. This other band who I'll leave nameless who actually went on to be a tooth and nail band um funnily enough um i had a conversation (laughs) i had a conversation with one of them and i remember talking to the singer and being like oh if you didn't play music like you would be a preacher right like that's your thing and i just have this had this realization of like oh if you weren't a musician you would be doing something at the church anyway and then right. i realized like if i wasn't a musician i would not be here like you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yes. my my music fits here cuz i was christian at the time but i was but it's right. like this so maybe that is a meaningful distinction maybe my my um dismissiveness is unwarranted
2: i think when we were teenagers and we were trying to stake out a claim yeah. for ourselves that felt important in retrospect sure yeah that's a good as point as you're thinking about
7: that's a good point you know
2: we talk a lot about how that there used to be very siloed mm-hmm. secular music and Christian music and Christian music yeah. came with its own industry. And that's much less a thing now, at least yeah. for the alternative side of things. But yeah. It seems you were, you were well-versed in that world. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What made you, what made Ace, uh stand out for you? What did you like about them in particular?
7: Oh man. It's, um, so I just just to make a general point from something you said earlier, and I'll tie it into your question because it's a good question. But like, sure. one, one thing I was thinking, you were talking about, um, did maybe their Christian Christianity? I was going to say Christianness. Um, <laughs> did their Christianity <laughs> sort of maybe bar them from sort of more mainstream success? And I think like, um, for some reason, to my taste, like all the bands who I thought and still think we're the greatest out of that scene. We're the we're never going to go mainstream really. Like mm. I always felt like there was a handful of bands where I was like you are too good to be playing in the Christian market. And and I don't right. mean to shit on the Christian market, but like that was how I felt legitimately at the time. Ace was one of them. Um, of course, Five Iron Frenzy was one of them, um, sure. still one of my top favorite bands of all time. Me Without You was another one, oh, um, man, where it was right? just like, I just felt like y'all are too good to be doing it, to be, you know, opening <laughs> yeah. for who, I don't want to dog on anybody, but you know, opening for whoever it is. Um, and so I, the thing that I loved about Ace and the thing that made me feel that way about them was I felt like their music and their art would be good even if it wasn't Christian, right? It didn't like mm. hang its hat on that. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like some bands I yeah. feel like are successful in that market because they're good enough. You know what I mean? And they say the right stuff and they have like maybe a cool image or whatever. Um, but if they were in the sort of big leagues with like real bands, you know, not real bands, you know what I'm saying? Secular bands where it's like, it does. maybe you're Christians, maybe you're not, it doesn't matter. Um, it wouldn't work. And I felt like Ace was above that. You know what I mean? I felt yeah. like his, his lyrics are good. They're like, a little bit more sophisticated than some of their peers at least in yes. some instances um not across the board some of them are, are silly and and some are you know uh interesting at best looking <laughs> looking back as you guys talked about last time um sure. but uh but I felt like he was a good lyricist and their songs were complex in a way that a lot of their peers weren't so
1: well agreed. you know it, it also when you think about they recorded with Bill Stevenson and Stephen yeah. Edgerton at the Blasting Room, yes. and Bill Stevenson telling our producer Jason that tonight was his was the best song of any yeah. tooth and nail band that he had ever worked with. Yeah, and like, like that's I mean that's a legit legend saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. giving so much credit to the these guys, mm-hmm. and, and it just makes me think like, I mean, if a legend like that is. Mm-hmm still has that song in his memory locked and loaded, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. He just recently. And can apparently I
7: mean, sing it, you know, off the yeah. cuff uh, from yeah. from <laughs> so the that, anecdote, that, right? Yeah.
1: That to me is like it, it kind of goes to your point that like they are well beyond just like okay for the Christian market, that yeah. they were legitimately yeah. outstanding mm-hmm. songwriters. And yeah uh that record itself I think stands Stands the test of time and for a lot of the songwriting that's on there. It does, yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I feel like it was almost a timing thing, maybe more than anything, because Mm. to your point, I mean, probably anybody who heard Tonight Mm -hmm. at least a couple times remembers it now. Like, that could have easily been a crossover song. You know, Mm -hmm. you could have heard that on the radio or seen a video for it. So I'm almost like, why did it hit Obviously, Jimmy worlds for example, like you were saying, wasn't coming from the Christian world. But like, yeah. why did they break through in such a huge way when mm-hmm. Ace was making records yeah. around the same time that sounded similar and they didn't yeah. break through quite the same?
7: It's a great question. I feel like I feel like part of maybe part of the distinction between like them and Jimmy World and the timing might be off. I don't know. Um, but part of it is I feel like that self-titled record is still it sort of straddles that line of and you guys talked about this but it straddles that line of like is it a punk record is it a sort of midwest emo record um it has elements of both and it blends them beautifully it's a wonderful record um but i feel like they definitely go in that sort of a little bit more emo direction they lean that way a little bit which i actually really liked from them but um i wonder if they had already sort of gone that way by the time bleed american was being produced i don't know
2: yeah that could be. I mean, for that sound, that sort of pop punk, skate punk yeah. crossover sound, I feel like that was already sort of on its way out at that point. And Maybe. And emo was coming in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was one of those kids who was like a purist, and I was <laughs> mad when yeah. their follow-up record did not uh, hue close enough to the skate punk leanings of the first record. That's so interesting. But in listening to it for this week, this week we're talking about their you know, second yeah, sure. label released album, The yeah. Madness of the Crowds. I like it a lot, actually. <laughs> and we'll get to this in our later segment. But like, I think being able to listen to it now, I'm able to see it on its own terms yeah. and appreciate it for what it is rather than trying to compare it to this like yeah. more skate punky sound of the first record. But sure. what did you think at the time when they released that one? Were you were you following them along with where they were going?
7: Yeah, I mean, I was, um, and, and I think this is the case for Joe as well, But I remember us getting real deep into the band after that record dropped. Like we we loved the first one, but the second one we were on board. The only thing I know that we didn't love at the time, and this stays true when I was listening to it, is like the mix is a lot weaker. Like Mm -hmm. this, the sort of just general sonic quality. If you pop those records back to back to back, madness is a lot less you know punch you in the face it's a yeah. lot more you know kind of it sounds like it's being played in the room adjacent to you or something sure um yeah,
1: yeah that is definitely something we're going to talk about yeah. um the uh it was produced by i'm assuming his last name is pronounced padelan okay tim padelan i don't mm-hmm. know exactly how it's pronounced but sure yeah he um he worked with a lot more alternative rock in like grunge bands
7: yeah mm-hmm
1: and see that so you're getting a lot a lot of dirt and grime yeah. and yeah. fuzz on this record which makes point. which makes sense but yeah you're mm-hmm. right that as far as a mix as a mix goes uh the the first record is just it's so punchy yeah mm-hmm. it's so punchy and it's so yeah. driving
7: yeah and it's a matter of taste i mean i'm sure some people love the mix on the second record it's not that it's poorly mixed it's just at the time and even kind of still now I just like a good punch you know and so it's probably a taste issue but yeah no I remember being super into this record when it came out and Um, I remember this record was what made me realize, I think, that I thought they were a little bit more sophisticated than what a lot of the other people, even if I couldn't articulate it at the time, I was like, these lyrics are better than, like, I mean, whoever, um, their peers in the market. And, like, not every song was just an absolute banger, but, like, the ones that were, were, like, next level. Um, and, like, in terms of Madness, so, like, Madness of the Crowd's The Song is sort of this, um... You know, and if I'm stepping on any of your other talking points for the no, other no, segment, no, no uh, you know we That's can great. skip by. But like, madness is sort of a it's kind of soft critique of American culture broadly, but in a very sort of vague way, whatever. Um, but it's kind of cool. And the way that he talks about it is not sort of nail on the head. It's kind of, he uses illusion and metaphor and stuff like this, which is cool. And then the other song that really stood out to me on that record that I loved is the Christmas song. Um, yeah, (laughs) it's it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Um, and it's sort of, but it's, it's not just a Christmas song from a sort of Christian perspective. It's also sort of, mildly or vaguely kind of anti-consumerist which was cool um and so he wasn't coming down with like the 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 closed fist like a Reese Roper all the time but at the same time I was like I I like I like the quality of those lyrics and I remember that record really making me think that about them that they were you know sophisticated yeah
2: no I I definitely agree I think it's tough it's tough to go from basically what's your debut record yeah being produced at the blasting room by bill stevenson stephan edgerton like coming out of the gate sounding amazing Mm -hmm. um you know we heard a little bit about what maybe went into them deciding to go somewhere else Mm. but part of it is an expense thing and everybody would like to go with um you know Mm -hmm. the best money can buy of course (laughs) not always in that position not to say like uh, it was way cheaper, and you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think they also wanted to go in a different direction. But I sure. just, yeah, that's that's kind of tough to go from. You know, we talked about how wild it is that they went from being teenagers recording stuff on, our, on their own that has promise but does not sound great to just a few years later, yeah. And even you know, in the case of their second self-released record, like a year later, going from reworking yeah. these songs with like the absolute best production yeah. outcomes possible for them. So that's probably. Another tough thing to overcome is like just having this immediate great sounding record. Yeah,
7: yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I remember actually another anecdote from our time in the scene. I remember I know how much Joe and I both loved this record because I remember us playing a show in front of, you know, 50 people wherever at one point. And we told the crowd to buy the Ace Troubleshooter record. Like we were (laughs) like, we were like, we just heard this great record. You guys should go buy this record. You know, we have a merch table, but whatever. Um, That kind of thing. So I remember that.
2: So can you like walk us through a little bit the nine ball history <laughs> and sort of your band's sure. relation to that world? I know you got kind of involved in the machine of what the sure. Christian music industry was and just kind of like how that played out that that story in succinct form.
7: Sure. Yeah. Well, I can I can give you mine my version sure. of the story, which is a lot shorter than Joe's. Um, he, he Joe, went, we should say, is your your co-host on Comic yeah, Creatives. He Joe's co-host. You and, yeah. Yeah, co-host on Comic Creators. We've been in bands together a lot, um, and um, so like his story is longer than mine because he was in the band longer. But like sure. we, me and him met when we were probably ten years old or something like that. Um, and I played guitar a little bit; I could play a couple chords. He had a guitar, didn't know how to play it. I taught him some stuff. He ended up like, long story short, he ends up playing bass. And we're this three piece outfit uh, that you okay. guys so kindly played on the pod um, yes. from <laughs> from great. when we were like from when we were like fourteen to. Honestly, some version of that band lasted until we were well. It lasted until Joe was like twenty six or something. Okay, um, but I jumped off about when I was twenty one. So like from fourteen to twenty one, we were gradually trying to build something and playing local shows, and then we started playing like regional shows. Um, and then when I, when I was twenty one and and um, like we had dropped out of college, we were touring sort of like half the country, not like, not like coast to coast. Um, they did that after I dropped out, but, um, but yeah, we were, we were in Christian, we, we were in the Christian world and we played a lot of churches and a lot of youth groups and we, ex- we definitely experienced the thing of like, it's more fun to play bars, but churches have better crowds and pay better. Like there's no yeah. question, you know? Um, and when I was in the band, either we didn't get really asked to do sort of like altar calls, or I didn't mind it. Um, my memory doesn't really serve. Um, but I didn't have any hiccups about it. Um, it was only sort of later on, like, um, by, by the time I was like 21, and I realized I wanted to leave, like, I wanted to go back to college. I didn't like being gone, even as much as we were gone, which was not a crazy amount. Um And so, so I dropped out at 21 and then Joe kept doing it for like five or six years at least. Um, so, but it was always within the bounds of, you know, we didn't want to be, we weren't a ministry band. We weren't ending Mm -hmm. with praise and worship songs or whatever. Um, and I especially have been allergic to that, you know, my whole life. Um, even when I was Christian and loved Christian music, I was, I still hated that. Um, And so we never did that, but at the same time, there was there was a very long time, you know, five, six years probably, where we were like we had no we would talk about Jesus from the stage every na- every time we would play and all this stuff. So hmm. yeah.
2: was your experience in that world uh, detrimental to your, Faith, or your artistry, or did it encourage both those things at the time? Oh, it makes sense.
7: Yeah, it does. Um, I I don't think it had any any effect on my sort of personal you know faith views I deconverted um in college I studied yeah religions and philosophy and so that pretty much did it um so <laughs> <laughs> i mean not that everyone does but that was my experience right um no sure. so i i deconverted for sort of metaphysical reasons not you know not interpersonal reasons every pretty sure. much pretty much my whole experience with the church was socially very positive so mm. you know mm-hmm. it's it's all great but uh i just don't believe that stuff so um right. but anyway uh so I don't think I don't think it had a huge effect on my faith. I always enjoyed even at that point I enjoyed being like the act, whether it was nine ball or whether it was my like more folky stuff afterward, I always enjoyed being the person who was like. I remember telling crowds that hell didn't exist, like in a church, you know, uh-huh. and just <laughs> not really work because it wasn't my livelihood or anything. So I just remember saying stuff like that. Like anybody that tells right. you you're going to hell is lying to you about what God is like. So um, were people like, Woo! <laughs> or was I it you know, I think it was mostly crickets. Like yeah. it wasn't even strong disagreement. It was just like, why sure. are you talking? Just you know, play the song. <laughs> Right, right. Um, But yeah, so I, I definitely like – I always loved sort of the, the Dave Bazan kind of attitude sure. or like the the me without you kind of stuff where it's like it seems incredibly sincere and right. there's no question that they mean exactly what they're saying. Um, yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
2: The whole – does anybody have any questions at this point in the set? Dave Bazan vibe. I love that.
7: Yeah. I asked a question at a Dave Bazan show one time, and I had I read on the internet that he, and I don't even know if this is true, but I'd read that he majored in religion and philosophy, and that's what I did. And so I was very excited about this. And then I, I saw him at a show, and I asked what his fa- who his favorite philosopher was, and somebody in the back of the crowd goes, wah, wah, and everybody laughed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. yeah, you know, we talked a lot on this show about... Uh, cringy things yeah. uh, we participated in when we were younger sure and if i could go back and <laughs> listen to some of the fucking questions that i asked dave Bazan and page of the Lion shows i'm just like oh yeah you moron yeah i remember being yep. like
5: mm-hmm. let's hear oh, it john
2: what, what? <laughs> i remember in particular uh what's the song that's like on the way to grandma's house oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah, on yeah. a uh Winners Never Quick. Winners Never know. Quick, yeah. That's yep. the first song. <clears throat> I can't yeah. think of the I can't think of the the, the song title right now, but I was oh, like yeah. So is that song like a metaphor? Um, <laughs> 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 uh, wow. Slow and Steady <laughs> Slow and Steady, and steady wins, wins the race. The race. There you go. Yeah, nice. And he was very patient with me, but I could feel people in the crowd being sure. like idiots. Yeah. And he was like <laughs> Uh, yeah and he's he very succinctly answered me by being like yeah it's about like not being an asshole and i was like yeah that makes sense yeah, <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway well i'm glad to hear that it wasn't a i, a wanna,
1: di- I would yeah, yeah. i would love if i if i had the power of a time machine yeah. yeah i would go back to that moment just so i could stand in the back of the room and watch this just, very eager john potter and just <laughs> point your finger yeah. at me and laugh <laughs> and
2: like Nerd, (laughs) learn your metaphors. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I remember after John Kerry got the nomination, Mm -hmm. I went to see a Pedro show and I was like, What do you think of John Kerry? And I'm like, Why would I ask? (laughs) (laughs) What a waste of this man's time. Sure. sure. Anyway, well, I'm glad to hear that it was not. um, I feel like, you know, we talked to a lot of bands and artists who were involved at the scene. And when they reflect on the time, they were like, Yeah. Yeah, it really negatively. Oh, sure. Impacted me in a number of ways. So I'm glad to hear that it wasn't necessarily that experience for for you. Um, but so, so nine ball continued, where, where did you go? From there, sort of artistically, I know Villain District happened eventually, but yeah, I'm sure later there's other stuff in between.
7: Yeah, for sure. So when I I quit uh, nine ball, I went back to uh, college. I had dropped out to do nine ball stuff, and so I went back to college and started studying philosophy and religion and all this stuff. Um, and during, I think during that time, I might be it doesn't matter. Um, around that time, I for I made a um, just solo project because I wanted to. I had been. I had stopped listening to, I would sort of gone through that like young adult phase where you feel like you have to make yourself grow up in some, in whatever that means, you know? Right. Um, and so I'd started listening to a lot of like Dylan and Johnny Cash and a lot of sort of, I made the the typical transition from punk rock to alt folk, <laughs> right, whatever. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And so I made a, uh, um, I made a couple records under the name The Charming Third. Um Ooh. I like that. Yeah. I oh I like it, that name. It's still it's still on uh, Spotify, don't worry. So right, um, right. I got like a twenty cent check like six months ago. So it's really oh. it's coming in. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm waiting. Um, and that was and yeah. that
1: was from like two billion listens. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so I, I did a, I did that for like probably a year, year and a half. And I had like, I would have sort of friends of mine back me up because I know a lot of musicians, but it was always just, you know, if I needed to play a solo show, I could play a solo show kind of thing. It was like, it was cool because Joe and I had always worked in tandem on pretty much everything. And so this was the kind of thing where like, I can explore, you know, parts of the music writing process that were typically his job, you know, in our old band and stuff like that. And also it was the kind of thing where they were starting to become more serious um, professional professionally and they like got <clears throat> and they got a manager and they got a couple of like i don't know if it was distribution deals or something like this but they were working with companies to try to market their music and so when you do that you sort of um they managed to walk the line really nicely and put out some good music but you have to sort of do certain things that are business oriented that aren't just well i want right. to do this because who gives a shit you know what i mean um, yeah, yeah. so releasing independent records was the way to go for me at that point and 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 sort of going a like pushing against the the sort of feeling that you want to make money or be a business in any way i was like i am very much not going to make money off this like that's my that's goal one right i'll give things away i don't care um and so so that's uh Yeah. yeah scene wise did it feel different not being part
2: of that christian world or was it such a different place for you sort of musically and artistically and like personally at that point that it didn't even register like making that comparison.
7: Well, that the, 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 the two folk records that I did, the charming third records were like, it still was Christian. Like, so it was just, it was just more, um, it was explicitly not selling it. It was explicit, like I'll play a church, whatever, but I'm not going to say anything I don't want to say. I'm not going to, you know, do any of the things. Um, and so it was really freeing. It was nice. Um, and then, you know, later on with just like villain district or whatever, um, you're just playing all the all the bad shows that you would play in a Christian band without the punctuation of a nice youth group crowd <laughs> that's excited, <laughs> right. you know. It's exactly. just bar shows where nobody cares, which is fine. It's fun. It's still a good time. Sure. Yeah. But yeah.
1: So you so did you you said you deconverted it in college, but the charming third was post-college you were still um
7: no i think i think i got my timeline wrong so essentially um i was uh i did charming third before and going into when i returned to college um and then it was during yeah so uh, i might have mixed that up but yeah charming third started a little bit before i went back and then i went back to college and i kept i did like another maybe six months or a year of charming third stuff while i was doing yeah and my deconversion was you know three years so it wasn't like a a sort of you know day and night type thing Sure, right. but yeah, that
1: makes sense. Yeah, um, can we talk about what you're doing now? Oh hell yeah! A little uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, nightmare nonsense.
7: Sure, yeah, and uh, first of all, let me just say it was super sweet of you guys to name drop that on the on the episode where you played the nine ball songs. I was like, oh my gosh, that that means so much. Dude, so your, your I appreciate great,
2: that. I, I'm digging the vibe under the the nightmare nonsense. Now.
7: Thanks, thank you so much. Um, I
2: also like the. The
1: designation of genre: cosmic horror, political punk rock. Sure, hell yeah, yeah.
7: <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of a backward looking thing. It wasn't like I wanted to do that, but then I wrote this record that I'm finishing up right now, and I was like, well, that's what it is. Like every song is either railing about politics or is about sort of tentacled god monsters. So you know, it's it's <laughs> one of the other
2: market. It's yeah, like, yeah
7: typical. Everybody's
2: so. writing tentacle monster so, songs these
1: days. Yeah. Is, so is, with this, this one, I'm really trying your... to be. Is that's, this your album artwork?
7: No, that's just some random shit. Um, okay. that post. This, I don't know what you're yeah, it it holding up a yeah. monster
2: with his eye falling out yeah. Uh, yeah. to the camera. Yeah. It's some
7: old it's some old plastic mask um mm. you know that I just found online and loved and I was like, hello yeah, cool. you know, whatever." Yeah, I'm like this is I mean um, it
1: it reminds me of um Are you uh are you an Aesop Rock fan?
7: I don't know that. I don't you, think.
1: You you not from Aesop uh-uh. Rock he's uh he's a hip-hop artist anyway yeah oh, cool. uh, um and he has this side i think it was uh this project called malibu ken Uh huh. and it has this like <laughs> nice really just dis- really disturbing kind of uh almost it almost feels like garbage pale kids sort of spin- yeah vibe to it yeah which was kind of what i was i was like getting this sort of like weird yeah. cartoonish but gory kind of gross looking
7: sure yeah but, well i was listening to like i mean some of the i i don't typically love sort of horror focused music like even though that's kind of what the project is flavored like but like i love for example harley poe like right. yeah. so 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 good been a fan of that dude since like calibretto 13 days um yeah, right and so just he's, he's found a really nice way to do that so some of them i like um but yeah yeah, yeah sort of old vintagey vibe
1: We've got to do some Calibretto.
2: Yeah, we. This has come up often enough For that sure. both. I mean, Harley Poe, maybe a little more of my vibe. Calibretto. More my. Vibe. I was not as familiar with <laughs> the more your vibe, Andrew, but sure. we're gonna have to combine sure. our sensibilities and cover both of them at some point here. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, yeah, I mean, so there were between uh, sort of uh, folky stuff you were exploring yeah. on your own and Nightmare Nonsense, which we'll, we'll plug. <laughs> in a little bit um there was also a uh, villain district yeah. which you and joe mm-hmm. uh combining forces again sure uh in a yeah. different kind of market and with a different kind of sensibility and you guys only did yeah of a few songs right yeah
7: it was it it was it was a thing where we we never like he had gotten basically the story is he had gotten sort of burned in the christian world and also just in the professional music world like they moved to nashville they made a serious go of it they toured nationally all this kind of stuff and he was just to hear him tell it super burned out hated bands, didn't want to listen to, like, you know, normal pop-structured songs at all, um, this kind of stuff, and so, um, he, they quit over time and moved to Louisville, which is in Kentucky, which is where we live, and, um... And so then I moved up here at the same time to go to a grad school, um, but mostly it was like grad school was secondary, and I just wanted to move here. So when I moved here, I was like, "Hey, we should do a band. Like, why not? Like, I haven't done it in a couple of years. I've been playing a couple things here and here here and there, but not much." And so we did this band called Villain District, which I think was um, good for both of us in different ways. And actually, sure. let me let me plug the pod. We just did a Villain District episode and talked about it. So I've I've talked ad nauseum about that on on our pod. So. Yeah, It it was an enjoyable episode. Oh, thanks. Uh, Thanks for listening.
2: I especially appreciated dissecting the song Monster, because I think that song rules. Oh, thanks, man. Um, Because it's kind of got that, you know, the horror vibe. Sure, Uh, yeah. Not quite the Nightmare Nonsense sound, but in that world of sort of spooky adjacent stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So did you make a conscious decision then? This time around with Nightmare Nonsense to sort of focus more in that vein? Or how did you, what's, what was sort of your goal artistically with this project?
7: Yeah. Um, I think this project is, and one of the reasons I'm kind of like, like, um, have been working super hard to get it out as soon as possible is because this is a very 2020 record. Like, mm. um, it's very like, uh, I tried not to write anything about, the guy who dominated all of our consciousnesses, um, for, for four years, you know, I tried not to write about him specifically at all. Um, and like not allude to him as an individual, but like that whole vibe and movement, right. The sort of, um, you know, I, 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 read some books about like Christian nationalism in the past year and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, coming from, uh, the, the sort of, I would argue more healthier elements of like, U.S. Christianity, um, and then seeing this just real, like, apparently kind of malignant version of Mm -hmm. it come up. Mm -hmm. um, It it felt, number one, I always loved political music. I mean, I listened to Five Irons since I was, like, eighth grade or something, and, like, the Mm -hmm. songs that always got me were the, you know, I liked the praise and worship ones when I was Christian and Kitty Doggy's funny and stuff, but, like, (laughs) it was always, it was always, you know, old west and um all those sort of intense um what was the other banner year um all the sort of like social Mm -hmm. justice fist in the air type songs
1: american kryptonite absolutely
7: yeah um yeah yeah (laughs) got the james hetfield going on Um, but uh but yeah, so it was always those, always that kind of stuff, and so, like, incorporating that into a year that was particularly really dark, and I love horror stuff anyway, um, and I've sort of gone through kind of a resurgence of being into that aesthetic in the past, like, four years or something, and yeah. so, like, that mixed with the sort of general anxiety and cosmic dread that I felt over the past, you know, year, I was like, these things kind of dovetail, you know, so... <laughs>
1: Oh, you only you only had a year of
7: of uh, it was it was particularly dread. acute for the past year, let's say. Yeah. But yeah. yeah sure. More than that. Yeah.
1: Oh man. Yeah. It's <laughs> have you uh have you gotten the, the old Fauci ouchie yet?
7: I got the first one. I'm getting the second one tomorrow. Nice. So but, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm ready for it. I love yeah, Fauci ouchie. That's the greatest. That's the best <laughs> name.
1: John and I <laughs> both have our Fauci ouchies. Very so cool. We're where uh what do you what do you got what you what you oh, got i got i'm rocking dude.
7: pfizer over here um I'm pfizer yeah there. yeah i'm
1: a uh, am a moderna I'm oh a, yeah I, you gotta wait your you
7: ha- <laughs> i'm broderna do you uh do you have to wait Bro. longer is that a thing with moderna is it like an extra week between shots or so? was it an extra week between shots
1: my my next my next shot is is a it's essentially like a month out
7: yeah 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 gotcha okay. yeah so
1: i think
2: pfizer's just like two weeks right yeah 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 well Something we're going like to that. compare <laughs> strains we're going to see, see what happens yeah which one's the the dopest <laughs> uh, <laughs> well perhaps when we're all yeah. vaxxed there can be a, a nightmare nonsense show or That'd be excellent yeah. a villain district reunion absolutely. and we'll all get together and, and rock it in person absolutely um folks can find nightmare nonsense uh on instagram at nightmare nonsense on spotify yep uh you can of course download common creatives podcast on the rock candy network uh is there anything A that you want to plug that we haven't touched on, or any other general ACE troubleshooter thoughts you want to get out into the universe as we're covering um, them right now?
7: <laughs> let me let me let me check my notes here. Um, sure. So the only other the only other ACE anecdotes that I had ready were um, I did buy a Les Paul studio guitar that is behind okay. me right now because nice. John Warren had one um, nice. and I saw them play live and I was like that is that's just too cool man I just want to be that <laughs> dude um, and so I bought one of those so that's one anecdote and then the other one is there was a um, nine ball record which is actually the one you guys played some tracks from I think that was called these four walls was the name of the record and that's the first line of the a self-titled uh, record ah. so that's where we were we were we were deep in the ace world so very yeah. cool man yep i love to hear that that um, is that is rad
1: i love i love that i love that kind of stuff because sure like our producer jason how he named his band he named after um a, you know it was a dogwood reference and i mm-hmm. like for people who don't like you know get get the how deep some of this stuff runs yeah. and I just love that. I love that little, little Christian punk Easter eggs. So to speak. Oh,
7: for sure. Yeah. yeah. Say
2: for example, if you name your podcast magnified pod in honor of magnified plaid, <laughs> yeah. the original name of max PX and then for nobody example. ever knows what you're referencing. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I remember, uh, I remember John talking about, uh, having a Les Paul, studio mm-hmm. uh for one of the guitars on uh on this record we're talking about this week and then a Gibson three thirty five in the other. But I feel like nice. I yeah. don't know like enough about guitars really to know this, sure. but I feel like there's a sort of Les Paul sound and I feel like mm-hmm. you can maybe hear it uh on this record. I yeah. love the sort of squealy guitars. So that'll yeah. make sense. Um Will, you are a super cool dude. I hope uh people check out your stuff more but you're you're always welcome on the pod. So thanks Aww. for coming by this week. Thanks
7: so much for having me guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun <laughs>
1: So thank you to Will from Common yes. Creatives, Nightmare Nonsense. Uh, for rules. That, that is a great song. Um, thank you for talking to us. Make sure you guys check out Common Creatives on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Uh, a lot of great shows over there. Uh, but I think now it is time to get into that pit, mm. mix it up, get a little mad, talk, talk that madness,
5: bro.
2: Yeah, a little break, then we'll, then we'll feel that crowd.
5: My fellow Americans, this is Lee Greenwood, American hero, and I'm here to tell you that there is nothing on this green earth that was lovingly made by the hands of Jesus than pickles boots well i've got a couple of friends making a podcast about it that's right joe and reese and if you're an american you better fight for your freedom get down there and listen to it the pickle and boot shop
2: we're back
3: mm.
2: madness of the crowds, the mag podness of the crowds. There it is. The madness of the pods. Mm. I don't know. He's treble Potter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: uh, oh man. Terrible. Uh, so this, this album came out in O2. Yes. And I definitely purchased it back, back then. Uh, mm-hmm. this was my freshman year at North park. Mm-hmm. um I remember somebody being in someone's dorm room in Berg and looking through CDs and being like oh I don't have this Ace album because I had the the first one and they said uh well if you like Denise you'll mm-hmm. like Amanda you know that <laughs> that sort of same it's got a similar kind of vibe i guess um i kind of disagree <laughs> disagree but yeah. you know they're like hey if you like a song that is a in the song's title is a girl's name then you'll like this other song that's a girl's name <laughs> right um but you you said you also had it but didn't yeah. really vibe with it
2: yeah this i mean okay so it was released june 8 2002 which I don't think I, well, maybe I got it when it came out. I wasn't working at the Christian bookstore on campus yet. Uh, but I it's very possible. I still bought it there before I was working there and got the discount. But my main impression was that it was really different from the first record. And as we've covered extensively, I was a little gatekeeping elitist and I didn't like my bands changing. I wanted more skate punk baby. Um, and this isn't that for the most part. Um, So I didn't dislike it. It just didn't stay in the regular rotation. I remember wishing they'd done more of the same, basically. And one of the joys of doing this podcast is exploring stuff that I knew a little bit and diving in deep and really appreciating aspects of it that I couldn't at the time, maybe. And um, I like this album quite a bit. Uh, I got to hear it on its own terms this time. Um, I think they were trying something different. Um, and it may not have been my preferred mode, uh, of the first record, but I think it's really ambitious and really cool. Um, in hearing it with my ears today, I think it's great. Um, this was released on tooth and nail proper, which is interesting because what we said last week, and as we said with Will, kind of surprising that the self-titled record came out on BC, right. Which is more the vibe of their future records. Um, not a tooth and nail, and then this one came out on tooth and nail, even though it's more the BC vibe, whatever. Um, but the, the title is derived from the book Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles McKay, so got that. Um, and yeah, that different sound does come from, as we also alluded to with Will, being produced, recorded, and mixed by Tim Patelin. Uh Patelon, whatever. At the Loft in uh, Saline, Michigan, and as you had said in that segment, he his background was mainly in grunge right. type stuff. He'd done a lot yeah. of the Sponge records.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I wasn't super familiar with actually the Sponge records, so I threw on um, some Sponge songs just to kind of get a sense uh, and a flavor for it. I'm like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. This yeah. kind of makes you know, but. Also, go into the blasting room. You might have gotten a uh, a punchier sound, like they had on their first record, a brighter, more uh, in-your-face kind of sound than than this, where everything feels a little restrained and pulled back. Yeah. In addition to the obvious. Uh, distortion and feedback and noise that's on this record. Everything feels a little bit more muted. Not, I don't know muted. It's just like the drums don't come across as as driving or or thunderous. Because when you look at the opening, when you compare the opening of Southeast 101, the drums sound unbelievable. Yeah. And there's not really a moment on this record where the drums have that level of clarity that I would say matches what is on this uh, self-titled record.
2: Yeah. I mean, Will was saying, you know, the ace sound of that first record kind of punches you in the face. This is much more a sort of tapestry of sort of like wall of distorted guitar sound. Yeah, it Um, is
1: big wall of sound lots of noise lots of textures yeah uh and I think it it, it largely works and I think okay. if you're going for something new and experimental and different like yeah maybe if you went back to the blasting room you like it's hard to know what this record would uh, like a what a Stefan Edgerton Bill Stevenson Madness of the Crowds album would sound like it definitely would right. not. It unequivocally would not sound like this. No, um, I mean they might have done some experimentation with Bill and Stefan, but
2: uh, I mean those are the guys you go to if you've got some skate rock, skate punk sounds that you want to sound great. This um, isn't really a. Skate this isn't punk that
3: right
1: record. Yeah, you know, I mean it's there's still some punk st- punk. Uh, moments on here but it's it definitely verges more it it teeters on this on more on rock yeah than than the the uh, punk side of things
2: yeah what john Warnen said you know was that um they did a lot of experimentation on that album some he felt was to good effect some not so much but that the main thing was that they wanted to try something different and So I'm assuming that they were coming in too with songs that were of a different variety. So why not try a recording style that was different from that previous style? Um, And, you know, to something that we've talked about fairly often is that sort of pop-punk sound of the late 90s was morphing into a pop-punk sound of the early 2000s that was more emo-leaning, and this is certainly in that vein. There are a lot of sort of huge, epic, soaring choruses here, and I think they manage to pull those off it's more like sincere than maybe you're used to but i don't think that's a problem it's just a different vibe um yeah and that sort of grunge hard rock sound is more prevalent throughout um we should say it was mastered by colin jordan of the boiler room in chicago so going from the blasting room to the boiler room (laughs) uh same four members as the last record um In addition to Dave Douglas, who was the Reliant K drummer at the time, who sings background vocals on four songs, Uh, as we mentioned last week, Reliant K and Ace were sort of uh, sibling bands, uh, did a lot of stuff together. Uh, And the cover, which we were talking about off mic, is the four guys standing against a white background. They've all kind of got on the sort of thrift story
3: yes colorful
2: t-shirts which was the vibe at the time i remember thinking it was really cool that john was wearing a first bank shirt because that's like a minneapolis logo and institution Uh, i believe it's ben dewey who's wearing an oak grove huskies shirt like the high school the suburb in the twin cities which is cool um but yeah maybe not as cool as the uh little flame head guy that i enjoyed from the first record but you know
1: it but it it feels different enough like that they're if you're going for something different they're yes. putting a they're putting a face to the band, right? And yeah. I think,
2: and that face listen. is wearing baggy pants.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I like the sort of the monochrome look ac- uh, against a white background. I think they I think it pops really well. Mm-hmm. And what it's funny because looking like John Warren on the on the back cover of this record. He is. I mean, we talk about, you know, good looking dudes of, of bands.
2: <laughs> the handsome guy right
1: there. <laughs> he's a he's a handsome guy. Do you know who he is in this picture? He he is like if Jim Adkins and Tom DeLong had a kid.
2: <laughs> I always thought he looked like Tom DeLong.
1: Yeah. Uh he's definitely got it. A- it like but he's but that that hair he's is got
2: like, the the jim Atkins jimmy world hair going yeah he's got
1: sure. the he's got that jimmy world uh thing going but uh good looking dude good uh good hair swoop yeah, he's man. got he's got that raised chin on the front of the record looking all badass you know
2: right. yeah so cool dudes
1: cool dudes cool dudes all around um, um Yeah.
2: So well, I think what we did should you, dive in, but yeah, th- I'm gonna crack my second Topo Chico hard salsa. Oh here. damn, bro! <laughs> needs to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. We, you know, you you would said like you're very curious what my top three. I got arguments. a
2: feeling we might share a number one, but, but oh, let's...
1: okay. I I don't know. I honestly, I have, I have no idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens.
1: All right, let's open. The madness of the crowds with the madness of the crowd.
2: That song fucking rules it is a burner. It's my number one. Oh, okay. That all is right. okay. I guess we're, nuts. Can no, I we're, not, one, no, we're not gonna share number one. No, we're not gonna
1: share number ones. I think we're approaching this album a little
2: differently. <laughs> Probably, yeah.
1: Um, that is a uh that is a burner song. That is love it. Noisy. There's so much noise yeah. and feedback. Yeah, and, fuzzy, crunchy. And, yes, all of those, all of those words.
2: Yeah. I, I love the energy so much um, and you know, it's got a different vibe than a lot of the record maybe um, in terms of just how fast and dirty it is, but yeah, I love it. I, I love the energy. I love that it's like kicking the album off with this sound. And again, it's a different kind of sound, but I love, I love the sound here. Um, I think uh, our boy Daniel, in KC asked John uh, on Twitter uh, when we were posting about this, like kind of about the recording of the song. And John said, "On that song, we cranked up the distortion and layered in tons of guitar tracks, the drums and vocals. He probably said vocals. I wrote vocals. Also had a lot of stank. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can hear the crackling of the overdrive on the track itself. You which, can. Hell yeah, you can. It sounds great.
1: Like I, I, when I listen to the song, I'm like." Am I blowing my headphones out? And like, <laughs> no, I think that's the actual track of the song yeah. is just just <laughs> peaking and just yeah. Yeah. turned up so loud. Love it. Love this it. is so this is one of the songs where I I would love to see this song live. Oh yeah. That you know, great. but this is a, another perfect example of A situation in which we will never see any any (laughs) of these songs. Sadly, we'll not see these songs live. In a in a in a way that like the chances of us seeing Yellow Second live very another you know I don't know. I feel like why not? Let's get let's get just get a John Warren bill. You know, get some ace
2: ace opening for Yellow Second. I mean,
1: ace opening for Yellow Second, and then and then uh, John can jump in on slap at the bass on some (laughs) some of those. Some of those yeah, you the know, second songs. I mean yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Fast feeling in there too, maybe. <laughs> I was trying to get the side projects and
1: <laughs> yeah, just get just it's all Scott, it's all Scott and John Warren. <laughs> sounds great. Are you kidding me? and Andy yeah. and Andy, and Andy of course. <laughs> the,
2: the through line. I mean, um, let's I, I think it's confirmed,
1: right? I think it's think confirmed. So. Yeah.
2: Okay. So done and done. Um yeah, no, I I don't know if if the vibe of this was just too different for me from the get-go when I heard it, you know, whatever it is, 18, 19 years ago. Um, But I love it as as a sort of, this is our sound right now, uh, sort of like statement to start the album with. Um, Lyrically, sort of, as Will said, kind of about the problems of the modern era, society sort of going against the grain of sort of consumerism and stuff. Um, Not in a super hard-hitting way, but in a general enough way that I can get on board with and resonate with, I think. Um, um, so. is uh, Are they talking about when they
1: say, oh, no, Hojo, are they talking about like Howard Johnson? Howard Johnson's?
2: <laughs> does Hojo stand for anything other than that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it, like, are they oh, going? Oh, no, Hojo. <laughs> talk, um, talking about them, uh, Howard Johnson's hotel, a line of hotels and motels, part of the Wyndham uh, Hotels and Resorts.
2: There might Uh, be something to the whole idea of Howard Johnson sort of standing in for that, because they were this sort of um, they were like this big thing that everybody did at a certain point where it was like you'd go to this fancy hotel and they had a restaurant there and they sort of represented this new sort of era of maybe like consumerism and then they all died out. So maybe it's kind of like that. Maybe it's about that. I don't know. Nobody has ever read into that more than we just did.
1: (laughs) All right. For the next next forty five minutes, we're gonna do a live googling (laughs) about Hojo. Oh no, Hojo. Oh no, Hojo. Uh, yeah. But I love that. Like, uh, I'll call your bluff. I've had enough. That 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 part right there is so dirty. Let's call your bluff. I've had enough. Should we listen to a little bit?
2: Yeah, we should. Sounds great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I um. I think that this album has John's, like, going from, uh, going from the "Don't Stop a Rockin," (laughs) right, to the debut, to uh, their or their their self-titled. to this yeah uh unbelievable how much his voice progressed in three years
2: yep i mean his voice sounds great on the self-titled but here he really gets a chance to he has he
1: has his best like this is yeah he just keeps getting better which is why it feels unfair that the that ace didn't right like to have that sort of crossover success because of, they, yeah. I just felt, felt like they had all of the components there, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And to your, you know, Jimmy World's comp earlier, like his voice is not unlike Jim's. And yeah. he can sustain and belt and have the vibrato of the kind of singer who does crossover. So um, yeah. just a great, uh, great vocal performance across the record here and great melodies throughout, too. We'll get to yep. some of those very shortly, but uh yep. into it.
1: Very into it. Um now we're going to go from that burner to <laughs> starting off a little a little mellow.
2: It's your time, midnight So this is like a slow romantic song.
1: Exactly. It's just gonna okay. like an acoustic guitar is gonna come in any
2: second. Yeah. I can sit down Yep Take night, out my lighter
3: I could die to have
4: you here. Yeah Call you up on fire
2: so good
1: yes this is my number one
2: okay it, yeah i kind of thought it would be i you know when i say like i'm curious this is another about crossover
1: radio hit unlike totally. uh, not unlike tonight that yep. i think this this song has a lot of this this song has everything it's got, uh, it's got,
2: it's got time zones. <laughs> yeah. soaring guitars, soaring guitars. That thing where you're in a long distance relationship.
1: I um, and also this, I mean this, I'm this is my experience right now. Yes, I am. Right. I am in a two hour time difference, long distance right. relationship. You two
2: are just swapped. Yes, exactly. <laughs> She's in net and, and you're at two, yeah.
1: Exactly. I. But here's the thing. I in listening to this album, I sent this song to Lauren Uh, and, and she's like, Oh, they're really good at like writing, like really cute. Oh yeah. They are. uh, Romantic pops, pop songs. I'm like, yeah. Tell her her
2: hair was drenched in silver moonlight.
1: (laughs) I mean, it pretty much always is. She's, (laughs) she's throwing down on some like some, Mm -hmm. some uh, purple hair with some pink and some green in there sometimes. So she's, She's got that. She's got that silver moonlight in there. Um, but I. Yeah, it's like listening to this song when it's like my exact situation right now. It's like, yeah, I bet, you know, uh, wake you up, but it's OK. You don't mind. I'm not scared to say it now. It's not fair. And yet somehow we're doing fine. You know, like, yeah, we we haven't seen each other since November. Yeah. She's visiting next week. Yeah. And you know, we're doing fine. Yeah. We're doing more than fine. Yeah. But I, so I think that's part of why Sure. I, you know, and I could die to have you here. You know, that's yeah, it's totally. just like, I'm emo as fuck, bro. What do
2: you expect? <laughs> yeah, no, I have in my notes is the first thing it's kind of this album's tonight. Um, which you confirmed. I mean, I think it's, it's just another pretty well-constructed romantic pop song and it doesn't make my list here, but just like with tonight, it has me questioning like, wait a second, is this actually yeah. the best song on the album? <laughs> um, Cause it's just, not, I think what it is, is that I super what? respect.
4: <laughs>
2: I super respect the ability to pull that off. It's just not my go-to mode. So yeah. as much as I appreciate it, I'd rather throw down on the madness of the crowd than get in my feels with the sorry vocals of the song, even though I appreciate doing that too. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I would say, you know, like Tonight for me, it like threatens to be maybe a little too poppy or syrupy for me at times, but it never dips fully into that. It pulls it off just like with Tonight. And I think that's a careful line to thread. And it's just a really satisfying, clean, hooky pop song. I love the dynamics that are at play at play here, as you alluded to you know the quiet into loud the the soaring guitars in the bridge um
1: yeah the, that palm muted
2: transition
1: yeah. between the yeah ding, 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 it's great
2: then, <laughs> yeah just explode yep yeah full release um
1: That uh, guitar line right there, though that that um, chord progression mm-hmm. sounds very much like "Alone" by Slick Shoes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. For me, Good it
3: just
1: <laughs> has that. Has that. But anyway, yeah, uh, there there are a couple. Th- times throughout this record where i have some moments where i'm like oh this this sounds like mm-hmm. this quite a bit <laughs> right yes but i don't uh i don't think that's a direct pull i just it was yeah. you know when you're writing pop punk songs totally. things are gonna things are gonna sound alike
2: yeah absolutely there's one of those that i have to say about the next song
1: oh yeah uh, have it all
2: Hit me with that grungy feedback. great song
1: this is my number two
2: okay see it's not in my top three but it should be
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is john's best vocal performance of anything that he's done he sounds great in these records he's he has the he he pulls off the like hitting those uh long held notes at the end when he crushes the end of the song he's got the falsetto He's yeah. got, he, this song, this song has everything. <laughs> no, the, he, like, he just sounds outstanding on this yeah. song nice. and his okay. performance. You can't, you can't like, I think it's his, he, he sells the song.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Josh as well. The drum sound great throughout yeah. the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. I not the chorus is great. It, it's really satisfying and, yeah. and full by the time it gets to that point, you know, it does a lot of those dropouts uh from quiet into huge and that's just kind of irresistible um the band that i was saying it kind of reminds me of is foo fighters um
1: oh interesting yeah i can see that
2: yeah which is something i've said a few times this season fighters (laughs) no i like the Foo fighters but it's like actually one thing that um will and joe said on their common creatives episode about their band villain district was like feeling the influence of Foo Fighters on their stuff, even though it's not like they are like number one Foo Fighters fans or like trying to write Foo Fighters songs, it just kind of comes out. And I feel like they had a real influence over kind of the sound of alternative rock of the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, just kind of that. I don't know what it is exactly, but there's a Foo Fighters vibe of sort of the guitar sound. It's sort of the strummy into the huge distortion. Um, but anyway, I, I think the song's great. Uh, as will said it is a Christmas song <laughs> it first appeared on tooth and nail's happy Christmas volume three yeah comp in 01 which we covered volume one on the pod um, and it's about baby Jesus and again sort of lamenting the broken state of the world and consumerism yeah. and asking uh, Jesus to please forgive us um I don't know i I, I certainly didn't really catch that it was a Christmas song until I read the lyrics. Um, right. I don't think I'll be like blasting it when I put the lights on the tree or anything, but I do think it rules. And, you know, he says, child, I'll play for you kind of the little drummer boy vibes and the snares kind of doing that rolling little drummer boy vibe. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm a big, big fan. It's not in my top three, uh, cause I'm dummy, but, um, <laughs> no, no,
1: but don't, don't, don't be that. You have guy. me
2: questioning all my, <laughs> I think you're right that we're approaching it differently. Those are two kind of pop leaning epic sort of rock songs and mine are sort of the, my, the songs
1: that I choose, ones. my, but the songs that I choose are on the, on the album are way, are pretty much all of the very emo songs.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: And I don't know. I think for some reason, those are the ones that I think are just extremely strong and not that the, the 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 noisy ass burner shreddy loud songs aren't couldn't be I mean there's just there are lots of good songs on this record Great. But I also want to call out you know something that will said in our interview he was just talking about like how John's lyrics are a little next level compared to his contemporaries um, uh, save you're born in manger please forgive us born in the end i think that's a great line yeah that's a great line it's sort of it's like you know essentially being like the people that are in this the 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 context of the song like people who are like shutting out jesus and Mm -hmm. shutting out this this child that's coming to bring hope to the world and we're shielded in our uh our comforts, you know, yep. Yep. and I think that that's part of the message on a number of these songs, like the madness of the crowd talking yep. about, uh, uh, we've got all our sciences making our appliances to dull the pain. It's Nova mm-hmm. for the soul. So there's this, you know, we're, we've got our stuff, we're in the inn. we've got our shields up, we've got our, you know, comforts and everything. Yep. So I just think that's a, I think that's a great line.
2: Totally well said. Um, and a great Christmas song theme to have. I love those Christmas songs that are like, uh, ah, before you sing about baby Jesus, maybe think about how we're fucking up as a society. <laughs> <laughs> um, so into Amen. that, <laughs> um, yeah, that,
1: that's, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish more Christmas messages were focusing, <laughs> focusing on that because, you know, when you think about, you know, it's April, <laughs> <but> <laughs> we're talking Christmas, but, you know, like, uh, you know, the talking about like how, you know, there's the there's a light in the world, but then the darkness will mm. not overcome it and, and things mm-hmm. like that. I think, OK, let's we, we spend a lot of time talking about the light, the light of the world, Jesus coming to the world, the hope. But what is the darkness? Can we talk about mm. like what that darkness is? Yeah. Like what is the darkness that is encroaching on the light? Right. That's the shit right there.
2: This is good, man. Are you gonna do a Christmas album this year?
1: <laughs> I should. You should. I should write, I should write any songs. <laughs> I need to get my I need to get my shit together, man.
2: You can re-record that Christmas song we almost heard a little of earlier.
1: <laughs> my my uh. it's Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I, I, uh, I don't know what I don't remember the song, uh, <laughs> the lyrics, but um, anyway, Jesus
2: was in there. Um, I,
1: I would I would hazard a guess that I did write <laughs> about Jesus.
2: Now, time for one of the better-known songs from the album. Uh, I think so. This is Amanda.
1: god this song is so fucking catchy
2: it rips pretty hard it rips pretty hard it's too bad that the lyrics are a bummer
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i i asked john about this song a little bit more context about this song yeah amanda isn't a real person
2: that was one of my questions
1: he he said that this was it was sort of an amalgamation he said that like he wasn't trying to like like it wasn't like trying to be like a jerk song. He wasn't trying to be a jerk about anything, right. uh, but it was just sort of like an amalgamation of experiences and people. Yeah. So it wasn't like, uh, there's not like an actual real life,
2: Amanda. Well, but- he had so many 17 year olds banging down his door. <laughs> he just had to combine them all into one. Well, here's super the thing. Character.
1: Let's, let's, let's talk for a second, just about the shelf life of a song about, a 17 year old because for whatever reason I don't know I don't know if it is <laughs> the the number of syllables in the yeah. in 17 because right. there are so many songs throughout rock history yes about sure. 17s I and I wonder if it is about the number of syllables in in the in the age but let's talk about the shelf life of a song about singing about somebody who's 17. Yeah. Like at at almost any time you're already like the song's almost expired from the moment you I mean, write it.
2: Even when they were in like their early 20s, maybe still pretty questionable.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And and so it's like so it, it it's like who was it? Was it uh The Stray Cats that did Sexy in 17? Was that who did that song? Sounds right. Yeah. Um yeah, it's like maybe like I don't know, maybe just don't sing about sexy 17 year olds i don't know um <laughs> but
2: they're so sexy <laughs> but
1: they're so sexy um but like that let's i also want to be clear that like that that isn't i i i'm not taking that to be what no. this the song's about it to me it just sounds like you know somebody that's sort of has these good qualities and she's yeah. annoying um sure but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's like he's singing about somebody that he finds romantically interesting. I don't think that, I don't know.
2: Well, it's, he's also like mocking the fact that she's full of herself and vapid. Right. Like she'll make you think it's poetry probably cause she's hot. I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I had the same thing in my notes that I, this is a thing. It has a long tradition of songs like this in rock. And yeah. it was a thing. I think a lot of songs in like, pop rock and pop punk at the time too i was remembering that um there was this mtv movie called jailbait uh woof woof times 1000 i don't know if that would ever happen today but why i knew the movie is because it had this punk soundtrack Mm
3: -hmm. it had
2: blink on it and it had this phoenix tx do you remember them yeah they were river phoenix first and then phoenix tx and they released the song for the jailbait soundtrack that was great um I forget All My Fault, I think it's called. Um, but I was just like, well, that was a movie. That was a thing. And it was all about like uh, having sex with a girl who was underage and then like going to prison for it. And it was like, the guy did it without knowing because she was like a sneaky jailbait girl. Um, and then the Weezer song, Across <laughs> sure. the Sea, very similar vibes. Yeah. What were you going to say?
1: Yeah, just that's that's another one of those songs, another one of those topics where it's like, oh here are these girls trying to like trick men exactly (laughs) exactly no i don't think so yeah i don't think that's really a thing
2: no and i don't know if that's exactly the vibe here i'm positive that underage teenage fans pursue singers of rock bands um but that if that's the case then be like maybe it's tongue-in-cheek that it's like it's too bad she's only 17 years old she's too young i'm like is it too bad (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) it's just a it's it's a an interesting vibe here it's not quite as like bummer unpacking this uh problematic stuff territory as some of the songs on the first record but it does kind of make me be like what's what is my takeaway from this character but if is if it is an amalgamation of sort of real life people it makes a little more sense
1: yeah um i mean it's my takeaway is that it's it's too bad that the song sounds awesome. I know and- <laughs> it is a
2: really, really fun song.
1: Uh, but again, um, when you're writing a song about like, even if I wrote a song when I was uh, 18 right. and I was in college my freshman yeah. year and I wrote a song about a girl that's 17 and she was a senior in
2: high school right you're like it's Uh, too bad she's too too young it's
1: it's too bad that she's in high school and i'm in college right the shelf life of that song is (laughs) set to expire almost
3: immediately
2: (laughs) yeah and granted like we've said this was a long time ago and and they were young at the time but still i don't know i don't know about (laughs) that one um but you know i and i think this is one of the i would guess that this would at least be in a lot of people's top three at the time. I feel like this is kind of the song that I remember from this record the most and maybe that people know the best. Um, And the guitar sounds really great. Sure does. So one
1: last thing I want to say about Amanda is not anything about the lyrics or anything, but it's about uh, another one of those songs that reminds me of another band that I was listening to at the time, which was the band The Stereo. Mm-hmm. uh which was a uh fueled by ramen band they put out an album called 300 yeah they they were pre fallout boy right. and they had, were kind of
2: a uh we've talked about them on the pod before they're sort of like a super group it was like animal chin and the impossibles yes right? yes yeah.
1: yes and uh i think that patrick stump borrowed a lot of his vocal qualities from Mm. the, from one of the singers of the stereo. And this song also has that, the stereo uh, early um, fallout boy kind of quality to the way he, the way he's singing. So um, Um, if you haven't listened to the, uh, the stereo album 300, you absolutely should because it rules.
2: You know, where the stereo played in 2017 was at our buddy's uh, uh, 350 Fest, 350 Brewing.
1: Oh, wow. Really?
2: If we had started the pod by then, I mean, oh. like six months later, I'm sure we would have been there, but oh, was not on course. my radar. But yeah, they played 350 Fest 3.
1: That sucks, man. Yep. I didn't even know they were still, was that like just like a reunion thing? Because I don't think I they're think still so. not putting on music still. No,
2: I think they've only played the occasional show. So Ugh. all the worst that we missed it.
1: Damn it. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. On to age of gold. What do you feel that this song is about?
2: Seems like a breakup song or a I looking mean, back on a relationship song.
1: Yeah. I mean, other than the, you know, she leads me on. Um, but uh, time will run back. Is this sort of like time will run back? Is that like looking back on?
2: That's how I took it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And what's the age of gold? Is that is like, is that his? His concept of like this, this was the time in our relationship where it was the best, or like how are, how do you interpret? Uh, I that? think
2: so. Um, yeah, I guess when I was thinking about it, I was imagining like when he looks back, that was the age of gold. Okay. Uh, but he also says, um, Close your eyes, I'll kiss you, and I'll hold you until done. And I would never take it back. I would never take it back for all the gold in the world. Um, but that's, I don't think that means. That's the age of gold. No, I, I'm standing with my. I think he's looking back on sort of, he yeah. didn't know how good he had it kind of thing, maybe. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, or at least that's how I interpret it. I The song is fine to me. <laughs> I yeah. <don't> know. <laughs> yeah. It's okay.
1: It's, it's okay. it's not my yeah. favorite, um, but still, still relatively catchy chorus. Good. Yep. Um, I don't really have much to say, actually. About <laughs> me neither. <this> song. <laughs> Age of uh, Um and on to Estella, which I do have things to say.
3: Hmm.
2: Walk that bass, bro. Bass, 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 bass,
4: Estella uh, steps in solid remove mm-hmm.
1: number three
2: all right yes you, you took a definite approach um which means that none of our songs overlap <laughs> nonetheless as with your top two i can appreciate the song's prettiness and its soaringness i think it's i think the vibe is just a little too slow for me but yeah i still appreciate I, it
1: i think this this album just has more of those songs on it yeah you know it, it has it's it feels a little bit more introspective maybe a little more bittersweet yeah than than the uh self-titled uh and i don't know there's it's it's there's love there's heartbreak but yeah
2: there's heartbreak but there's no and therefore all women are bad (laughs) right it's just sad yeah
1: (laughs) it is it is just sad and uh and I don't know. Uh, Estella steps in silence. Her every movement caught, encased in gilded memory.
2: I mean, my God, what a, what a,
1: what great opening
2: lines! This guy knows his way around <laughs> a poetic verse <laughs> yeah. and turn of phrase. Yeah. Um, um,
1: yeah. So, I I I just love how big this song sounds, and the yes. the, the the little echo and reverb they have on his on john's vocals yeah uh but just like that steady the steady bass, the ring ding 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 yeah it's cool it's
2: great um yeah it seems to me to be another looking back on a relationship song uh it's the vibe i get um you asked me over text what the song reminded you were wondering what it reminded you of
3: yeah
2: what the vibe I had in my head was sort of the like dare you to move like switch foot <laughs> vibe. Oh, it feels okay. like that to me. Um, but you had a different uh, better in my opinion song in mind.
1: Well, my, well, I need to get to the, the part okay. that I'm referencing. Fare thee
2: well, my love. He sounds great. The last time
1: Uh, so that part right there is, I, I, so I couldn't figure it out. I was trying to figure out what song it reminded me of. And I was like, and like, I know I've heard this sort of progression before and I couldn't, and I couldn't nail it down until I had this realization. I was like, I just like and it was like oh ha- that's it that's it like it like I wasn't really thinking about it too hard but then it just sort of popped into my head
4: yeah please don't chase me anymore I nearly forgot just what I'm fighting for I met no harm my gas to the floor
1: So that's ten foot pole, the getaway, yeah. great song, great great song. But that that same sort of descending, uh, progression yes, for sure. I was like, oh my god, yeah, that's where I feel like that was rem- very reminiscent to me. Yep, uh, both great songs. Uh, ten foot pole, obviously a little more skate punky, right? right. On getaway, but
2: yeah, anyway, yeah. you're not wrong. Um... 10 foot pod one day <laughs> the pot away yep
1: um anything else uh, you want to say about estella nope all right we're going out to sea we're going to do a uh, this is their sea, sea shanty sea, sea shanty song <laughs> <laughs>
4: Forever and forever. Change, the road, do you do
1: this is the first do like, you the in your face pop punk yeah. song on on this record,
2: yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do too much for me. I think it's fine. Um, what do you think? Uh,
1: I like the I like the rapid pace of it. Yeah, the, I the think turn that's...
2: into Hey Mamacita feels like very jarring to me. Those feel like <laughs> two different elements, and I don't not like it. It's just kind of like oh, interesting. <laughs> now we're going to Hey Mamacita land yeah um
1: i don't i don't know um uh you're off the coast of japan but saying hey mamasita i don't (laughs) i don't know yeah
2: it's also i mean it's interesting this song is about sort of wanting to ride out on the sea away from everyone and everything um there's another song just a couple songs kind of about the same thing but that time with a love interest um right but this one is, sorry, mamacita, I'm going out on that sea, and you have fun back on land. I guess um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's fine.
1: Um, yeah, I, uh I like, I like the lines: hoist the jig, skip the rope, do whatever you do. I, I think I don't know. I just find that, I find that funny.
2: He's shipping up to Boston.
1: He's yeah. That is exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Um.
2: Hey, you know what song I really like?
1: Ooh, Mothra. This one.
2: <laughs> Wait, what?
1: Uh, it's well, at least on the in the in the the lyrics, it says "But for grace," and then it says Mothra in quotes.
2: Okay, I didn't see that. I like that. Yeah. Is that like a madness of the crowds? as Mothra? Does that fit in that alliteration somehow? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think so. Oh, Man,
2: <laughs> I love the idea of being called "But for grace" in parentheses, Mothra. I hope I... it's about a giant monster. <laughs> number two
1: all right you know i imagine this song at that at that moment with the yeah. like with like lights like yes. strobe lights flashing uh, on the stage
4: uh, <laughs>
2: give it to me this minute uh yeah i just from the opening distorted guitars on it's just like i'm i'm so with it it's like yeah epic chorus you know it's got that grunge vibe of like minor chords in the verse quieter and then it just explodes um full release (laughs) i'm always gonna say that (laughs) Um, but yeah just that raw sound of the squealy guitars throughout like you were saying so this is combined uh, with the drum sound
1: so this is no so this would be your uh this wouldn't be i mean your full release is uh madness of the (laughs) crowd yes would this, yes would this this be your initial initial yeah,
2: I, think, re- I think so the first release <laughs> my ir um <laughs> yeah sorry I, sorry john <laughs> that's okay um yes i was you saying have, sorry
1: to john warren
2: oh uh, yeah well sorry to all the johns involved in this um no you have the you have the big uh shimmery pop songs i have the distorted songs on this record uh hey i'm
1: I'm here for all of i'm here for those yes
2: me too me too but just as far as what my preferred mode is it's this man it's just those loud crashing drums and the squealy guitars um lyrically i think it's really interesting too uh it started depicting prisoners um and in the first verse you think it's just sort of maybe a normal prison and then you kind of come to realize it's people stuck in uh patterns uh praying and kind of using the analogy of, um, you know, the prisoners are just regular people. The chorus is God reaching out to save people from that. Um, You know, he says, eyes that pierce and blaze, wounded hands stretching out to save in the chorus. I think that's pretty poetically done. Um, Pretty powerful analogy and turn of phrase, I think, you know, kind of regardless of what maybe you would think of the theology. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting uh, take on the idea. And again, poetically said. um, Yeah,
1: I think... I think what it, the analogy I'm getting from this is that we are the prisoners. We, yeah. you know, the sinner, the, mm-hmm. um, because he says, you know, it was us all along. We, we betrayed for silver. We denied three times. We washed yeah. our hands, then doubted his save us before we're swinging, which is pretty dark, but yeah. you
2: know uh,
1: if that's the theology, the theology of like um, that, you know, Jesus is stretching out to save. Yeah. Um, save us from essentially death or yeah, um, separation. However you want to envision death.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think, I think the poeticism when approaching that kind of topic or analogy goes a long way. Um, you know, some of the stuff we talked about the season is like, there are these sort of heavy handed messages and they're dealt, they're delivered bluntly, which doesn't help them (laughs) be digested. Well, um,
1: are you saying, uh, I killed the son of God today.
2: Yeah. That might be one that I'm thinking. (laughs) Um, and yeah, just the, just the, the poetry and the sort of, uh, simile and, makes you kind of take a step back and think about it feels more resonant and it feels less like I'm a piece of garbage, but God came to save me and more like we as a people are prone towards darker impulses sometimes, but um, there's a God who is interested in, in more than that for us. So yeah. anyway,
1: I think of the bands that we've discussed this uh, season that John Warren is clearly, yeah um, the best lyricist among yeah, them no question um and i it's just been a pleasure revisiting a lot of these a lot of these songs just lyrically because i think they're yeah. pretty they're very strong and pretty profound at times
2: yeah agreed
1: yeah you know, between the between the amandas and mamacitas you know you got you can get some
2: <laughs> yeah as long as you get one i'll take the other too <laughs>
1: Uh let's go away.
5: Mm.
2: And number this,
1: three okay yeah this song is great rules it, this is a jimmy eat world song
2: yeah yeah definitely very adjacent
1: I, I i i'm into this song quite a bit i i love how that that high guitar with that really low yes prominent bass
2: yeah yeah just the yeah the bass is the sort of like you know, underlying spine to that central hook of the, yeah. it's just
1: yeah.
2: so catchy. Ugh, yeah. it's so good. And the guitar sounds great. I love the harmonies. The harmonies are spot on. Yeah. Yeah. They really take it up to another level for me. Yeah. Um, also a great bridge that I would like to hear if we could. Let's uh, do it. There's a cool solo into sort of a big hard rock guitar sound at uh, about two minutes. So satisfying it is Ugh.
1: and i and i like the message of the song that it speaks it speaks to the the emo boy who <laughs> who leads with his heart you know yeah. the yeah. you know we'll be together so let's go let's just go away let's, yeah, just, do exactly. let's just go for it
2: <laughs> it's like uh it's like what's the ship one uh, out to sea except he's not going alone he's like let's run away but let's let's go together um and it feels very romantic, you know, wanting to run away from everything, but going with someone always feels like a romantic notion. I have not mentioned the drums yet, which I should have. They're great throughout. I just think firing all cind- firing on all cylinders on this song. So number three.
1: Um, yes, we will run down our, our our three songs again when when we're finished with the. Uh, but yeah, we've we've named all of our songs at this point. But yeah. Um, not to discount the remainder songs on the record, no. but *Numinous* I
2: like the song quite a bit.
1: That high just, uh, just a just little distortion in right there in the background.
2: he hits the new yeah. later in the song. <laughs> totally. So um, great. Yeah, I really like this one. I initially felt the first time listening through, like, maybe the verses were a little too poppy for me. Maybe the whole thing was a little too slow for me. But it builds so epically. The chorus is so epic. Yeah. Then there's a really satisfying building bridge and payoff with that one. Uh, actually, can we hear that? It's a, like... 250, they build up and then return to the chorus. Guitars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drum roll. Getting me pumped. Yeah. The lights are flashing again. <laughs>
4: One
2: John sounds
4: so good.
2: He really so... does, man. His voice sounds great. <laughs> so um, great. The guitars are epic. Um, yeah, just a, kind of a slow burner, but like, by the time you yeah. get to that point, I feel like it's pretty undeniable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another kind of girl or God song, even though it's about God for sure. But like, <laughs> again, written with the sort of poeticism and almost romance, uh, I'm here for it. It feels kind of yeah, old Testament or something where there were these like sort of romantic songs about God, um, into it. I don't know. I, I, I like it a lot. The first time I listened through, I was like, well, this is the album closer. Why is there one more song after this? Um, But I really like the way the next song ends, too, in sort of a satisfying way. So
1: yeah, your reach. I think this is first half of the album. Uh, like, I think ending on a song like Numinous, it's too epic to not much. end on Numinous. Yeah, yeah. This this to me is like in the in the first five songs somewhere. It has it has that driving component to it. Yeah. Um, and I don't was, know. Maybe yeah. maybe they felt like it was too on the nose to close with a slow burn epic jam like Numinous, but.
2: I think I felt that way at first, but that there are these sort of like wild drums that come in with the bridge and toward the end. And then it sort of ends with this like spacey kind of like drum rolls and echoes and kind of feels like this cool sort of, um, yeah. Drums sound great. It's kind of like repeated and yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool. I agree I, with you on the general sound of the song, but by the time it gets to that point, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I kind of like ending here.
1: I think that was probably one of those like in the studio. <laughs> yeah. What can playing? we do to
2: end this in a way yeah, that makes like, sense? Yeah, that's yeah,
1: sure. Sort of like, let's just experiment, see what we got, you
2: know? Right. Well, I like what they got. Yeah. I like, um, I think it's,
1: I think, I think it's still good, but yes, I don't
2: know. it, yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. Uh, Lyrically, not exactly sure what's going on. I think maybe a metaphor for getting through something, perhaps. Um, there's a lot of talk about like the woods and the darkness. Right. Um, but again, kind of a cool ending. Numen, you know, if you're relating it to sort of God, Numinous is the sort of like, again, like planetary, romantic, huge way of thinking about it. And your reach is a little more like, this metaphor of kind of the darkness, um, but still being sustained in it. So I kind of like that one, two, uh, punch, two punch. thematically. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's the menace of the crowds. That I, is. I'm, I'm so relieved that a, I loved this record this time around and B that you agreed with me and we might have different <laughs> top threes, yeah. but like, I'm so happy that we're both so pro this album. I really wanted to be, and I'm really glad that we are.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm very curious because I—it's never enough. It was not really an album that I.
2: Yeah, I don't know it I, at
1: all. I I don't. I don't know it at all. I. I owned both of these albums, yeah, the self-titled and Madness, when they came out. Um, It's Never Enough uh, missed me uh, for whatever reason. We've discussed yep. ad nauseum at at that sort of time how you came by albums could be random. So right. um, you never know. Um, yep. But yeah, we, uh, we will not be talking about that album next week.
2: Right. Take a little break,
1: taking a break. Um, Come back.
2: Yes. Just talk about that one.
1: Talk about that one. Then, uh, you know, well, then we'll have a better idea of what's, going to be up up next. Next.
2: Yeah, only three proper main feed episodes uh, for albums for this band. We are covering Don't Stop a Rockin', the second independently released one on the Patreon this week. Yep. Uh, So if you wanna hear that, go over there. Um, But yeah, your your top three, Two O'Clock Your Time, Have It All, Estella, Mine, The Madness of the Crowd, uh, But For Grace, and Let's Go Away. Uh, Six great songs in my estimation. Yep. Uh, Very curious to hear how people uh, land on that. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm guessing there's going to be some Amandas in people's top threes, but...
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll be curious. And also whether or not uh, people agree that John Warren looks like Jim Atkins and Tom DeLong had a kid.
2: (laughs) Yes, please weigh in with your who do you think he looks like takes.
1: No, that is... Um, We're not going... I don't want to do that. I'm just... (laughs) I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just being a dumbass.
2: Um, um, anyway. If you want to be a dumbass and weigh in with your takes, <laughs> head on over to Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review. We will read your review on the pod. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com.
1: You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, mag pod
2: can support us at our patreon patreon.com slash magnified pod as we said before we're covering don't stop a rockin this week you can get some bonus video episodes episodes early get in on that sweet sweet discord action uh, it's a good time over there and you can pick up some merch at MagnifiedPod.StoreEnvy.com. thanks to shadow producer jason at unoriginal vinyl and thanks to heavy ordnance studios for our artwork Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next time when we'll cover Ace Troubleshooters It's Never Enough.
4: Flash marks on my heart. Here I go against the green. So get a game complain. Make some noise. Make some noise. We've got all our science Making all the biases and all It's now that can
1: there's like a hundred and sixty guitars on that track. Ugh, give me more. <laughs> <laughs> give me more. Give me 161. <laughs> what were you thinking, Tim? You shorted us one guitar, bro.
0: For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.